from the late 1980s, I don't even know the exact year, Starpoint's Object of My Desire. I think you had to be a teenager in the 80s to appreciate that song. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. And I'll tell you, it's been a little bit difficult for me to be able to do this show in the last two months. This is only the third episode since December 17th. Today's February 4th. And this is a show that reliably was showing up week after week after week for quite some time. And I don't like when this happens. I really want to be out here just about every week. But first I had a vacation. Then I had a cold. And then I had the worst thing. Then I had the worst thing yet. I last did a show on January 14th, and uh, then I took a little trip down to San Diego, northern San Diego County, to Harris Rincon, mainly because I had a bunch of free play there, and some free food and stuff, and, you know, a Jew can't leave free play on the table. So I had free play, I had a free spa thing, I had free food, I mean, how could I let that pass by? So I went down there, even took the family with me. Everything seemed fine. I left after about two days there, drove to Vegas, and um, some pretty bad things happened. But I'll get to that in a second. Before I get to the bad things that happened, I want to get to a good thing that's going to be happening in 14 minutes. That is our free roll. We have a free roll on the Poker Fraud Alert No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that on PokerFraudAlert.com near the top of the screen. It's totally free. You just have to register for a free account on the Poker Room itself, which is separate from the forum. And then you can join our tournament, which has real cash money for prizes for the first four spots. And this isn't like a thousand-person tournament. This is a tournament with fewer than 100 people, which pays real money that I'll send you by PayPal, I'll send you by check, I'll send you by bank transfer. Real money. The only thing you need to qualify for the real money is either an account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum that is dated June 1st, 2013 or before, or email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and convince me you have been listening to this show for at least three weeks and tell me things that you've heard and you've liked about the show that are not listed in the show description. So I'm convinced you've really been listening for at least three weeks. If you can convince me of that, I will give you a lifetime exception to qualify for the free roll, even though your registration date is after June 1st. If it's before June 1st, you're fine. Then you're in no matter what, as long as you're not banned from the forum, which doesn't apply to that many people. So, that's at 8.30 tonight... It's No Limit Hold'em, as usual. And the $97 we're giving away tonight was donated by several users. Every week, the money does not come from me. It comes from our users. We have a very, very generous user base. So this week, we're giving away $97. And I have good news that next week, we're giving away a minimum of $75. So... This week we got $7 from Hot 4 Sauce. This is not Hot Like Sauce, this is Hot 4 Sauce. 
That's his girlfriend. $5 from beer and poker. $20 from level account. I guess it's not such a level account if it's actually giving us money. Snow Tracks, $15 has been donated from him. Hockey Guy, who's donated many times, $25 from him. I thank him for his generosity. And our most generous donor to the free roll has donated again this week. He sent in 100 bucks, but I decided to hold back 75 of it for next week and 25 this week. That's, of course, the one and only C-Money. Very nice guy. I've met him a few times, and uh, he's very, very generous to this show. So thank you, C-Money, Hockey Guy, Snow Tracks, Level Account, Beer and Poker, Hot for Sauce, adding up to a $97 free roll. First place is 50 bucks. Second place, 25 bucks. Third place, 15 bucks. Fourth place, 7 bucks. Just PM me on the Poker Fraud Alert forum, Dan Space Druff, if you're one of the top four spots. Tell me how you'd like to be paid, and I will pay you. It's that simple. So, that takes place at 8.30 Pacific Time, which is in 11 minutes. There's no late registration, so make sure to get in there. Anyway, now that I've told you the good, let me get to the bad. Why do you already know this, but I'll tell you anyway, in case you've been wondering why this show has been gone for a few weeks. I drove late at night from Harris Rincon, which is in northern San Diego County, to Las Vegas. It's about a 290-mile drive. I felt good for most of the drive, didn't feel sick. Towards the end, I started feeling a little fatigued, but I thought just because it was late at night. It was getting near 2 in the morning when I pulled into Vegas, so I thought it just fatigue of driving late at night. Got everything up in the room, got all settled. I was ready to go to bed at about 4 a.m., and that's when the first sign that something was wrong showed up. And that was, I've had a a tradition since I was a little kid. I don't know when it started, but sometime when I was very, very, very young, I started drinking a big glass of chocolate milk before going to bed. Which really wasn't the worst thing in the world for me growing up. You know, milk is good for kids. And um, I didn't like plain milk that much. But I love chocolate milk. So I had a big, tall glass of chocolate milk every single night before I went to bed. I don't even know when it started. Like, it's as far back as I can remember. Well, this carried over to my adult life to where I wasn't drinking chocolate milk anymore, but I always wanted to have some kind of beverage before bed and not water, like some kind of beverage with taste to it. Sometimes it would be Coke or Pepsi. Sometimes it would be orange juice. But, you know, something like that before I go to sleep. And if I didn't, it just kind of felt wrong. I always had to do it. I do that, I brush my teeth, and I go to sleep. That was my routine. On Saturday morning, at about 4 a.m., January 18th, I noticed something funny. I had no desire to drink anything. And I dismissed it. I said, I'm tired, you know, I just don't feel like doing it. But I'm like, you know, I, I just don't feel like having anything to drink. So I just went to sleep. Benjamin woke me up at 9.30. Said I'd only been sleeping five and a half hours. I felt really, really tired. And I've gotten five and a half hours of sleep many times. And I've been fine, especially if I'd been getting a lot of sleep before that. And I wasn't particularly sleep-deprived before that. So I thought, okay, why am I so tired? 
But then something that was really unusual was waking up at 9.30. Also, when I wake up, I always feel like I have to drink something. I had no desire to drink anything either. I cannot remember ever, ever, in my memory, waking up and having no desire to drink anything. Anytime I've been sick, it doesn't matter. When I wake up from sleeping a while, I always want something to drink. Always. No matter how sick I've been, I've always wanted something to drink when I wake up. This time I did not. This time I had no thirst. I'd had no desire. Now, I'm still kind of in denial that there's something wrong. So, at around 11 o'clock, Benjamin's mom said, you know, she wants to go have something to eat. We were in Caesar's Palace. And I said, you know what, I feel so tired. Um, I, I, I can't really go. I, I need to sleep. So you just take Benjamin somewhere and come back. And I actually told her, you know, go have something to eat. Come back and uh, then I'll spend the rest of the day with you. They went and had something to eat. Then, uh, you know, she called me and then I said, well, I'm still tired. You know, she said she'll take him to the pool. At this point, I was still delusional enough to believe, still delusional enough to believe that I might be okay. I actually had plans to go to the bank before it closed at 2 o'clock because I had to do something there. So I said, okay, well, I, I'm going to wake up by whatever time because i got to get to the bank by 2. I told her this. Well, needless to say, that never happened. At around 12 o'clock, 12.30, whatever, I woke up and I felt the unmistakable feeling that I had to throw up. I hate throwing up. I'm not one of these people who like feels like they want to throw up so everything feels good. Some people say they love throwing up because afterwards they feel so good. I hate it. I absolutely hate throwing up. And I always try to hold it in. I always try to avoid it if I can. But I knew it was unavoidable. And I jumped up, ran to the toilet, Caesars, and sure enough, I threw up eight consecutive times. Right then, I knew that big problems were ahead of me. It all came together. I realized that not only did I have a stomach flu of some sort, probably a neurovirus, but I knew that this was going to be worse than any other stomach flu I'd ever had. And I realized something very scary. I said, oh crap, I just threw up eight times. My body has just ejected every bit of liquid it could. And I cannot drink. I have no desire to drink. And the few sips I took before induced me to throw up. What happened is I took a few sips of water, I forced it down, went to sleep, and then my body woke me up and like, time to throw up. And I realized that this was very bad news. I went and did some research online with my phone, lying in bed, and saw the bad news. That basically, if you go 24 hours like this, a lot of times you can die. Because you get so dehydrated, you die. 
1.6 million people a year die this way. Most of them in third world countries where they don't really know better. But still, 1.6 million people die per year because they get dehydrated from the stomach flu like this. Where they can't drink and everything just comes right back down, right back up if you try to drink. I'd never had this before. I'd never had this where I just could not keep any liquids down. But this day, January 18th, was like that. I also had really bad chills. Well, when uh, Benjamin's mother came back up, I told her the bad news. And she wanted me to go to the emergency room and get an IV. But I didn't want to. I hate the emergency room. I absolutely, positively hate the emergency room. You go there, you wait, it's always really expensive. I mean, it wasn't just the expense, it was the waiting, it was the fact that it's kind of cold there all the time, and I was already having terrible chills, I already had the heat cranked way up in the room, so I could feel okay. Like, I didn't want to go into a cold emergency room and wait, and... I'm thinking, what can they do for me other than put an IV in me? I said, I'm not ready for that yet. Let's see if we wait a few hours, and if I can keep liquid down, then we can avoid the whole mess of the ER. And she kept insisting I go, but I said, no, I don't want to do it yet. I said, if by later tonight I can't keep fluids down, then we'll go to the ER. But that wasn't the worst part. The worst part and the most lasting consequence of all this had yet to occur. Someone saying in the chat room, cheap Jewiness when you're on your deathbed is minus EV. You know, it's interesting you say this. Because uh, when this was going on, I actually thought of Jim Henson, the creator of the Muppets. He died at age like 53 in the year 1990, where all of a sudden he had flu-like symptoms come down. And he was hanging out with his ex-wife at the time. And his ex-wife kept saying, go to the ER, go to the ER. And he kept saying, no, 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 I don't like the ER, I don't want to go. And he said, no, 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 until it got really, really, really bad. He finally agreed to go when he was like coughing up blood. And by then it was too late, it turned out he had some kind of uh, really rare lung bacteria. Or so. I, I don't remember what it even had, but it was something that mimicked flu-like s- symptoms, but it turned out it was much worse, and it killed him. He was dead within like two days. So, I did think of that. I did think of like, what if I'm making a dumb decision here? What if I'm being like Jim Henson? But I, I, I was pretty convinced it was just a neurovirus, and as long as I can keep liquids down, it'll pass. So, the next problem was I needed Gatorade. And uh, it was Gatorade is the best thing to drink for the most part. Gatorade or things like Gatorade. Best thing to drink when you're having a stomach flu like that and have uh, and need rehydration. She does not know very Vegas at all. And I was trying to explain to her where to go to like drugstores there, but it was very hard to explain. And you know, she's a very smart woman. She just 
doesn't know Vegas at all, and, it, and the car is parked in the Caesar's self-park lot, and it's like, it's so confusing to leave from there and know where you're going, so I actually had Caesar's bring a wheelchair over for me, and they wheeled me over from there to the car, and she followed me on foot, of course, with Benjamin, and she drove, and I directed her over to Walgreens, and uh, she bought a bunch of Gatorade and some milk for Benjamin we needed and some other stuff like that. And uh, then she drove back, dropped me off by the... Well, actually, we dropped off the car in the valet this time, which was very close to the tower we were staying in, and I was able to stumble myself back up to the room. So... I drank the Gatorade. I was keeping it down. I wasn't throwing up. I thought this is over. Not completely over. I still felt like shit. I still couldn't walk without really being very dizzy. But I was like, I think this is on its way out. I think the worst is over. I had thrown up 13 times already that day, but I thought the worst was over. Um, Then it wasn't over. About an hour later, indeed, I threw up. And I felt really at my worst point. I was a hair away from going to the ER, but I just, I was feeling so cold, I just said, I don't want to go. I don't want to freeze my ass off over there. I said, let me try one more time. Let me try one more time to have the Gatorade and see if it stays down. If it stays down this time for a while, I won't go. If I throw up one more time, I'll, I'll go. So I drank the Gatorade. Sure enough, next few hours, I didn't throw up. At around 10.30, three hours later, had not thrown up, drank a lot of Gatorade, and I had to piss for the first time. I'd never been so happy to have to piss, because I had not had to piss the entire day. Because I was so dehydrated, but I actually had to pee. I said, great, this is over. I'm, I'm hydrated again. So, I told her, she was very happy to hear that I had to pee. Got myself out of bed. Felt okay enough to walk over to the bathroom, no problem. Unzipped my pants. Started to do my business there, and then the dizziness started. And it came on real fast. And I'm in the middle of peeing, and I feel like I'm going to collapse. I actually rested my head against the wall to finish off. Now, had I been smart, I would have sat down right there in front of the Caesar's toilet with piss in it. That's what I would have done if I was smart. But I wasn't. I didn't want to sit on the Caesar's floor in in front of a piss-filled toilet. So, instead, I thought, I can make it from here back to the bed. And I flushed the toilet. I started to walk back towards the bed. And as I'm getting close to the edge of the bathroom, I realized I wasn't going to make it. I called out Benjamin's mom's name. That was the last thing I remembered. And what happened after that was I lost consciousness. And I slammed hard against the Caesar's floor. I actually landed on the carpet, but the carpet at Caesar's is almost like a floor. It's really, really hard. So I slammed down really hard against the, the floor there. She heard it. She ran over. And I was on the floor... Unconscious, but going like this. Uh, 
Ah, that's the way she described it. But then, like she said, my eyes were rolled back and I was totally out. JSTAT saying in chat I could lose my driver's license for passing out. Well, nobody tell on me. Don't play this show for evidence. I don't want to lose my license. So I was moaning like that while unconscious. It was really weird. And I kept hearing her say, or not kept hearing, I suddenly I, I came to and I heard the following. I couldn't see anything. I could just hear this. I'm going to call someone. I'm going to call someone now. I, I'm calling. And I, I said, without being able to see any, I said, why are you going to call someone? And she says, she says, because of, of what just happened. I said, what just happened? Then I look down and I see the pattern of the Caesar's carpet in my eyes. Like, I, I, I see right in front of my face the floor. And I go, oh, crap. I realized what happened. I realized I had fainted. I've never fainted in my life. I'm almost 42 years old. I've never fainted. So she kept saying, now she really wanted me to go to the ER. And I said, you know what? I don't want to go. I I know exactly what happened here. I'm dehydrated. I got dizzy. I fainted. But now I feel like totally conscious, totally lucid. Mentally, I feel fine. I'm going to try to stand up now. If I can stand up and walk back to the bed and sit down and I can keep drinking Gatorade, I don't want to go to the ER. So she was really nervous. She kept saying she's going to have trouble sleeping. She's going to be afraid that... You know, we're all going to go to sleep and she's going to wake up and I'm going to be dead. You know, she kept saying she really wants me to go. But I said, look, I, I think I think the worst of it's over now. So I got myself up, went to the bed, drunk, drank more Gatorade. I noticed that my head hurt, my hip hurt, and my ribs hurt. My head was the worst. Well, as the hours passed by... On Sunday morning, I realized, early Sunday morning, the problem was my ribs. My head, while it had a small bump on it, got better pretty fast. My hip hurt, but I could tell I just bruised my hip. I could tell it was a bad bruise, but that's all I got. My ribs were a real problem. It was starting to hurt to breathe. And I realized that was bad news. I realized I probably broke my ribs when I fell. My ribs got worse and worse. And even though that day I wasn't that sick anymore, I still was kind of dizzy a little bit and I was still very careful walking around, but I didn't really leave the room. But uh played a lot on WSOP.com that day, by the way. Actually, won money. I actually did pretty well. I won like 3000 bucks playing 1020 on there. But, uh... So someone just said, I guess he didn't play any poker this trip. <laughs> I actually did. I, I played a lot of poker on Sunday on online. But, uh... I was... I made the realization that this is going to be staying with me for a while. Even though the illness part of it was mostly gone and I still had lingering effects of that I still felt kind of dizzy for the next week like just moderately dizzy I knew the real problem was my ribs so no radio that week but what about last week why wasn't I back last week someone in the chat asking how do you break ribs just falling down 
Um, I'll tell you how. Normally when you fall down, you naturally brace for it. You put your arms out, you twist your body in a way to where you cause yourself the least amount of damage. This is instinct. That's why most falls, you don't hurt yourself that badly. But when you're passed out, you just fall whatever way. And that's what happened. I don't know exactly what I did to break my ribs there, but I fell... The theory was that I landed on my arm, and my arm did it. Because my arm was found under me, on my left side, when I was passed out. But uh, you just fall like that, anything can happen. And I actually came really close to hitting my head on the mirror there. Really close. But anyway, last week, the reason I was not doing radio, I planned to come back. But uh, on Sunday last week, nine days ago, I was actually at Commerce on Saturday night, Sunday morning. And I started to feel much worse. After my ribs had slowly been getting better, I had not been to the doctor for them because there's nothing they can really do for broken ribs. You just have to wait it out. And I knew they must have been broken the way they were feeling. But on Saturday night, I actually started to feel like like a gassy feeling in my stomach and like I had no appetite and started having trouble breathing and it was mimicking all the symptoms of a damaged spleen. And if you have internal bleeding like that of your spleen, you have to get that taken care of or you can die. So at this point, I came back and I I went to the ER. They did all kinds of expensive tests on me that they had to do including a CAT scan. Can't wait to get the bill on that one. But uh, I thought there was a good chance they were going to come to me and say, we have to take your spleen out. I was really concerned about that. But fortunately, they came back to me and told me that there was no internal organ damage. The spleen was fine, everything was fine, that something must have just irritated the ribs' recovery. I don't know what, but something just made them get worse again. They told me I had three broken ribs. Ribs number six, seven, and eight on the left side. That it will take probably four to eight weeks to fully heal. I did ask the doctor before she departed, what about my radio show? I said, I do a radio show on the internet every week for about three hours. Is it okay for my ribs for me to just sit here and talk for three hours? And it's actually a good question because it hurts to breathe when you have broken ribs. So I thought normal talking's fine, but is it really healthy for me to be doing just nonstop talking for three or four hours? And she said, yeah, that's fine. You can do it. But I didn't do it anyway just because I, I felt so crappy last Tuesday. But I thought, you know what, give it another week. I'll probably be okay enough to do the show. So, a few days before today, I just determined that everything was fine. And here I am. So that's what happened. Had a very hard time 
pretty much since early December with various health issues all separate from one another all totally separate from one another so it's not like I'm breaking down it's that I've had really bad luck with health issues since early December first I had an unexpected bout of dental pain from a very routine procedure that lasted two weeks where I was just in constant pain then I had three consecutive colds including one really bad one you heard me one of those weeks on doing the show during a bad cold I had uh, and still have elbow tendonitis in my right elbow which happened I think when I was at the airport on January 2nd and uh, now I have three broken ribs that occurred when I fainted from having the neurovirus all since early December it's a very tough two months for me and I hope it gets better from this point the good news is I will be returning every week to this show unless something else happens this will once again be a weekly show now I have one more piece of good news for everybody not related to my health but related to this show I think some of you will be happy to hear in fact uh, it's such good news that I think I have to play this music no 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 I'm not playing it twice. This is about Brandon Drexel Gerson. When this show started, it was a three-host show. Me, Brandon Drexel Gerson, and Vowels. It was a very well-received show. Everybody liked all three hosts. Well, Vowels is the first one to leave for personal reasons, nothing having to do with us. Then Drexel left because uh, of the whole JSIP mess. Again, nothing having to do with me, but uh, he just kind of got burnt out on the whole thing because of his uh, involvement with JSIP, even though Drexel didn't do anything wrong. It affected him pretty badly, and he felt uh, just very stressed out from the whole thing, understandably. And he left the show about a year ago. Well, he told me today in a telephone conversation that he wants to come back to radio. That at this point he cannot commit to every week, but that he wants to be in the rotation of the Friends of the Druff and Friends show. So where it'll still be the Druff and Friends show, except he will frequently be one of the Friends, who's the co-host. So for those of you that enjoyed Drexel on this show... And I definitely did. I love having him here. He's coming back. Not for certain. But uh, he told me today this is really what he wants to do. It's not going to happen tonight. Probably not next week. But that he's really looking to do it before April 1st and maybe even before the end of February. Just when he feels it's right to come back, he will. And it'll be very soon. Again, he was not making a commitment to come back. He wasn't making a promise to come back, and he was saying that when he does come back, it won't be every single week, but uh, he does want to be back on the show and more than just a one-time thing. He wants to be a regular host again here, which I think is great. 
So, for those of you that miss him, I think you'll be hearing him again quite soon. Now, tonight we have a different co-host, and tonight's co-host is very interesting. Uh, This is someone I've never talked to before, but he was on a replacement show, uh, Beer and Poker. He's not the co-host tonight, but Beer and Poker has been doing what he calls the Variety No Sobriety Show which he often does when the Druff and Friends show can't run. And uh, he had on a caller who, to be honest, isn't all that popular on the forum. A lot of people don't care for this guy on the forum. I like this guy a lot better than most other people do on the forum. I think he brings a lot of interesting content. Even if people don't like the way he acts or his attitude or whatever... Um, he is very knowledgeable about uh, a lot of issues in the poker world. You know, he's not just some troll who, who ruins the forum. I mean, he brings a lot of good content here, whether you want to admit it or not. But anyway, uh, everybody's welcome to have their own opinion. If you don't like him on the forum, I'm not going to tell you you should. But uh, people were surprised when he appeared on the Variety No Sobriety show last week that he sounded very good. Everybody enjoyed his segment, even his haters a lot of them said, hey, you know, he sounded pretty good on the radio. So I said, you know what? I'll give this guy a chance. So I asked this individual if he'd like to appear on the show. There's still some people uh, who are unhappy about this just because they don't like him personally. But, uh, you know, that's just the way it goes. Can't please everyone. But my attitude is, if someone will make a good co-host, uh, I don't care what people think of them on the forum. Uh, unless, you know, I'm not going to have someone like Jace up on at this point when he scammed everyone, but, uh, you know, Garrett hasn't scammed anyone on this forum. Uh, there's no reason we shouldn't have him, so I, I just gave away who it is. It's going to be Garrett. Now, the only thing that could be in the way of this is if his microphone doesn't work. He was having some trouble earlier, but he said he thinks he's got it working, so we're going to try this right now. If it doesn't work, then uh, we'll let him work on it again. And uh, I will continue solo. Okay, uh, Garrett, are you there? I am, actually. Let me just mute. Caught me off guard there for a second. All right. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, yes, you sound fine. Yeah, I need to mute the um, show, I believe. Yeah, I mean, just turn, you can just close the show. Okay, just there we go. Close the radio Can page. you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you sound fine. Okay, great. Much All right, better. so very good. Welcome to the Druff and Friends show. And I'm glad to have you on. So I've never even heard your voice prior to the uh, appearance of the Variety No Sobriety show. This is the first time that we are actually speaking to one another, but uh, you know, you seem to have a lot of knowledge about a lot of different things in the poker community, so I, I thought that you'd be a good co-host tonight, and we have a number of issues to talk about. So uh, we'll get right to it. I know I wasted a lot of time already talking all about what had happened to me, but this was just such a such an unexpected and unusual chain of events. I mean, who's going to break their ribs from having the stomach flu? But I managed to. <laughs> I've actually broken a rib, so I, I feel your pain. And you didn't mention, I'm surprised, that... Uh, have you sneezed yet? Oh, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> that's the worst. No, you know what's the worst about it? Is that it had to happen in the freaking winter. So, Whoa. in the winter... Um, I don't have allergies, but in the winter when you turn the heat on... It makes the room really dry, and if it's central heating, then dust comes through the vents, and you sneeze a lot more just from dust 
kicking around from the heater. Even if it's not even come through the vents, even just dust, you know, sitting anywhere in the room gets kicked up from the heater blowing. So I'm sneezing from that, and I'm going, why couldn't this have happened, like, you know, in the spring or something when there's nothing running? Oh. So I, I, I've sneezed today, I mean, I've sneezed every day, and it just kills. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and sleeping, that's a, it's hard to sleep, and it's hard to like get up from a lying down position to a sitting up position. It's very tough. <laughs> yeah, too. when you bend your middle section, you're like, Ugh. yeah, yeah, it sucks. And and the worst thing is, I'm like, crap, this is going to be like probably like mid March before this is better. But anyway, uh, welcome to the show. And fortunately, I don't have to exert myself in any way that hurts my ribs by doing this show. So that's why I'm going to be able to do this every week now going forward. And uh, we we have some people who are already big fans of yours in the chat. Hockey guy says at least having him on radio will ha- will keep him from being a fuckhead in chat. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he's a little hard on me. So yeah. so I, I, I guess the it. chat room at least happy that uh, Garrett won't be in the chat room. He'll be here on the show. So okay, uh, here's the agenda tonight. Other than the two things I've already discussed about Brandon and about what happened to me, the biggest story in poker since I was last on was the Borgata incident where a boneheaded cheater snuck numerous $5,000 tournament dollar chips into a tournament there and got caught. But he didn't get caught right away. Uh, Most of you know this story. We'll talk about what happened. And, you know, Garrett, he's very knowledgeable, especially about East Coast stuff because, uh, you know, he's on the East Coast. And I I have to admit, I pay more attention to things on the West Coast uh, because that's where I am. So, Which I know nothing about. Yeah, <laughs> I've never even been to Vegas. To be yeah, honest so, so so I've always noticed on the forum, like whenever there's East Coast stuff going on, Garrett seems to be the one posting about it. And and I'm, a lot of times I have like no clue that this is even happening. Like the Borgata thing I knew about because that was uh, a big story. But anyway, we'll talk about that. Uh, Card Player Magazine. Now this is not a new thing, but I I should have talked more about this before, but. Card Player Magazine has been advertising Lock Poker as their primary sponsor for quite some time, both in the print magazine and on CardPlayer.com. And finally, on 2 Plus 2, someone created a thread calling out Card Player, saying, we need to just not mention this in passing. We need to really be hammering on Card Player for this, because this is awful. They're promoting a scam site to their readers. They're promoting a scam for their readers to get ripped off. And it's absolutely true. Time to boycott card player and time to really turn up the heat on them. We'll talk about that. Uh, Speaking of lock poker, a report that their pros, who appear to all have been fired, have not really all been fired. There still are some lock pros. And we'll talk about how that is and why that is. Todd Brunson, Doyle's son accused another well-known poker player, Chow Jang, of stealing a whopping $800 during a live poker game. This is Chow Jang, who used to play like the 4,000-8,000 game, was accused of stealing 800 bucks during a live game from another stack. Did this really happen? We'll talk about that. Well, I know this is going to be hard for you guys to believe. I know this absolutely never happens, but uh, WSOP or should I say the World Series of Poker, they screwed something up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they they did. They screwed something up. 
It wasn't that bad, but they uh, they leaked their 10K and above buy-in events for the 2004 World Series of Poker too early. They leaked part of the schedule by posting it on their site when they shouldn't have. They meant not to post it. I think they were just testing something. I don't know what the hell happened, but somehow it got posted. And someone grabbed it before they quickly took it down and screenshotted it. And by then it was too late and they had to own up to it. So now part of the World Series schedule is known. Part of it is not known. (laughs) We know part of the schedule, all the big buy-in ones, and some other interesting details about it way earlier than we're supposed to. And uh, we'll talk about what we've discovered. Well, there's an update that hasn't been talked about that much on the Full Tilt Poker repayment situation. So we'll give you the news on that one. More problems than WSOP.com. This is not uh, the World Series of Poker itself, but their real money poker site, online poker site that you can play in either Nevada or New Jersey. There are some problems there that I have not talked about before that I was told privately by someone I know who plays there. Not Eric Ryland, by the way. So we'll talk about what happened there. I have an opinion, believe it or not. I know you guys are shocked to hear that I have an opinion on something, but I have an opinion, and I'll hear Garrett's take on it too, that the VIP programs for the state poker rooms, you know, the ones operating in Nevada and New Jersey, are modeled incorrectly. That these are bad VIP programs. They're, they have a huge flaw in them that punish the part-time players, and that they stupidly modeled them after sites like PokerStars that don't have part-time players. I'll explain what I mean by part-time players later, but uh, um, I'll explain what the big flaw is, in my opinion, in their VIP program, and why it might really be hurting these sites. Because these, these sites have not been doing as well as expected. This story is a little bit old, but it took place after our last show, so we're going to talk about it. I think it took place after our last show. Greg Raymer needs a stake. Now I'm not sure, now I'm doubting myself. Now I think we talked about it last time and I'm going to feel stupid. Now I've got to make sure that uh I put that on the agenda. I have this like weird memory of talking. No, no. I must have dream talking about it on this show. <laughs> You, you it's know been what? A few weeks, but I think it's still relevant. Yeah, actually, no, you know? <laughs> it is relevant. No, Greg Raymer does need a stake, and and we'll talk about that. Uh, speaking of a dream about this show, I actually had a dream about this show last night. Uh, I had a dream that I was invited to do a sports talk show as a guest host, and I was really excited. And I remember showing up late for the show, which I know you're all shocked to hear. And uh, so I showed up late there, but that wasn't bad enough. I spent almost the entire show talking about this show. So I, I just kept saying, yeah, oh, you should hear what happened uh, two weeks ago on PokerFraudAlert.com when I was doing my show there. Like The whole show I sat there talking about things that had happened before on this show. And and like at the same time, I'm like, why the hell am I doing this? Why am I why am I screwing up this one chance? Why am I why am I talking about my internet show when I'm on a live radio show? Like, why am I even mentioning like? But I I couldn't help myself. I kept talking about this show in the dream. Finally, my brother semi rescued me, and he called up and just pretended to be like a regular caller to the show and not my brother. And we started talking. And then I started to again say, oh yeah, you know, on Poker Fraudler, I'm like, oh shit, I shouldn't be doing this. So like, I, I quickly snap out of talking to that and I say, oh, so um, what do you think about Kobe coming back? Do you think that Kobe's going to come back? And do you think if he doesn't come back, will the Lakers have the very worst record in the NBA? 
And then my brother starts to answer, and I notice we have like one minute left in the show. I'm like, oh my god, this is like the worst sports talk show ever. And they're never going to invite me back, and boy did I screw up, and boy is this embarrassing, and then I woke up. So, uh, yeah, I do dream about this show. Anyway, uh, next topic. Steve Wynn has supposedly come out against online gaming, which sounds strange because uh, Steve Wynn, we just talked about it on our last show, at least I think we did, that he was going to be starting a poker room in New Jersey by leasing server space from Caesars. So if he's starting poker rooms online, why is he against online gaming? That's kind of a big contradiction. We'll talk about what's going on with Steve Wynn and and what I believe his objections are. Finally, the... Actually, two more topics. A small Peter Falcone update, the big scammer Peter Falcone. You can Google him if you don't know who he is. He unfortunately touched our community a few years ago. Uh, Small update about him. Finally, a typical end-of-the-show Bitcoin discussion. Mount Gox, is it in trouble? Are they broke? And if you are waiting for them to pay you, are you screwed? Is it possible that uh, anything you've bought through them is worthless. I guess if you already have your bitcoins, they're not. But uh, is, is it possible that uh, you're never going to be able to cash out of there? So we'll talk about Mount Gox and what their story is. That's the agenda for tonight. So let's just get right into what's going on. Free roll has been going on for 20 minutes already. 30 minutes already. Wow. Let's talk about the Borgata situation. And uh, I know Garrett has a lot of knowledge on that one. Boy, this is a crazy story. Uh, when it Very first so. when it first broke, uh, what happened was play was suspended for 24 hours when counterfeit chips were discovered there, and. Uh, someone from the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement named Joe Lupo. Oh, sorry, not, sorry. Not, Joe Lupo was the Senior Vice President of, of uh, Operations for Borgata. He said, uh, We have reason to believe the tournament was compromised. There's nothing more important than ensuring the integrity of the tournament. All other tournaments are moving forward with full confidence. Now, everybody pointed to one likely suspect. And uh, who would that be? Well, there's a little irony in it, too, in that he went out 28th and was the last person to be paid before you know, they stopped the tournament. Yeah, we're talking about Men the Master, who's long been rumored, and, and I, in my opinion, more than just rumored, uh, to have been a longtime cheater by having people chip-dumped to him and also sneaking chips into tournaments. There's been a lot of accusations about this over the years, including by people who claim to have worked for him, cheating. So, Men was in this tournament, and Men was doing pretty well in the tournament, so everybody was looking at him. Well, it turned out for once, it was unbelievable, but it turned out that for once, Men was actually innocent. Yeah, it wasn't him. It was not him. Men, the master this time only, was not guilty of, of sneaking chips in. Uh, 
it turned out it, it's amazing that it went this far. Some very poorly made five thousand dollar chips, and I guess they got away with this because the five thousand dollar chips that the Borgata already were kind. Of, a lot of them were discolored. A lot of them didn't look that much alike. Is that pretty much true there? Well, actually, I think the counterfeit ones, just by looking at a picture, were a little more like chrome looking, whereas the the um, the non main event chips there, five Ks, were more of like a gray, like a darker gray. But I, I had heard that that was actually a mixture of real and fake ones. That like the uh, that the fake ones were poorly made, but at the same time, it wasn't that discolored. That a lot of them just were discolored. All the good, some of the real chips were discolored too. And that's that's uh, what know, I heard. Yeah, I've yeah I've read that too. Um, it's like uh, I would imagine they're going to fix that going forward. You would think, but yeah, I mean that's crazy. You have uh, chips that look this different, but uh, so this guy, and it's it's now clear exactly how he did it because a lot has come forward since then of what occurred. Uh, they actually determined who it was. So what happened was, uh, what, you you go ahead and tell them uh, what 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 happened. With the tournament itself, then we'll talk about the guy who did it. I, I think it it started um, like that Twitter pic that was released. Uh, some players had seen them and started mentioning them, and then the word got around at some point. The tournament director probably took a look, and um, how it the tournament got down to twenty seven people. Who knows? Maybe they only found out relatively like close to that time period. But um, once they noticed they were fake. They stopped the tournament, obviously. Yeah, with uh, 27 people event. left. Yeah, with with men, the master going out 20. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he actually got paid, uh, but 20 with 27 people left, they stopped it, and that was it. They never played another hand after the 27 were left. And uh, the problem was first place is $372,000. So can you imagine you get down to the final 27, you weren't cheating, you were just playing your tournament. You know, even if others were sneaking chips in there, you had no idea. And you know, uh, sorry, good. Yeah, and and that is a grinder field too. The five hundred sixty reentries at the Borgata. I mean, that's where you're like really not well known pros that are pros are at. They're playing those events, the prelims, the five hundred. So there are people that are just probably skimming by. It's a really big hit on them. Oh yeah, you're in that twenty top twenty seven. Yeah, you know? and to know that you know first place is three hundred seventy two thousand. The top four finisher, top four finishers get over a hundred k, and, and that's all of a sudden, they, they cancel the tournament, and it's done. It was unbelievable. Uh, so they stopped it because it became clear that there were enough counterfeit chips in play that the whole tournament had been compromised. And the, I don't even know what the right thing to have done at that point was. Uh, on one hand, you could say, you know, at this point, they didn't know who did it. Uh, they didn't know if multiple people were involved. They still don't know that for sure, but I, I have to imagine. I, I I really think it was only that one guy who they ended up catching. Yeah, I was on the fence to be honest with you, considering that, and I thought it was, and I kind of do think it was bigger, just considering his background that he comes from a home game environment. He's probably been able to essentially run a tournament. He knows when to enter chips, when not to, when the, ter- the tables collapse. You know, be a little bit more like um, able to do it. I guess is the way to put it, but. Um, who knows if he was alone, but you would think not. But but also what I, I, I got out of it, and I didn't really understand first personally, was I think he flooded the toilet at the Harris. Then when the security there or plumbing came, they saw that it was Borgata chips, and then he got 
And then they were on to him, you know. I think well, the yeah. tournament was still going on. Yeah, so this is what happened. Yeah, we're a little ahead of ourselves here. Okay. The, but what happened here, um, yeah, th- uh, this guy, 42-year-old guy, not a known pro at all. Um, uh, his name, let me get to the... Uh, Christian Lusardi. Yeah, Christian Lusardi was his name. Uh, sorry, I was wrong. Let me get the right article here. So his name is Christian Lusardi. He was 42, yeah, from Fayetteville, North Carolina. And unbelievable what happened here. Uh, this guy had tons of $5,000 counterfeit uh, you know, tournament chips. And he did not sneak them all into the Borgata tournament. He was in this tournament. He had a huge chip stack at the end of day one, like 512,000 he finished with, which you have to imagine a lot of them were his own chips. He just snuck in, snuck in there. Obviously, this guy didn't just luck into that money. He was uh, clearly uh, the main person, if not the only person. I still think the only person who was uh, bringing these counterfeit chips into it. But at the Harris Hotel in Atlantic City, and keep in mind, this tournament was at the Borgata. So at the Harris Hotel, they had clogged sewer pipes. So... uh, a bunch of guests started complaining in Harris that uh, pipes were leaking, and so they brought plumbers in there to take a look at what's going on. And can you imagine <laughs> the plumber opens up the pipes that are all clogged and stuck, and they're like, I don't know why this stuff isn't going down. Let's see what's in here. And he's probably expecting to find you know, something that was not supposed to be going down there, like baby wipes or whatever, things that clogged the toilet. Can you imagine the guy opens up the pipes and finds $800,000 worth of Borgata tournament chips. <laughs> I mean, that, that, I think if you gave the guy like a list of a thousand things to guess of what would be clogging it up, I don't think he'd be guessing uh, Borgata tournament chips of five thousand dollar denomination. I I don't think he'd be guessing that. A, imagine that being the thing that's clogging the pipes. But apparently, yeah. uh, this genius uh, Christian Lusardi uh, flushed. 160 chips down the Harris toilet. I mean, why not just go put them in a bag, put something heavy in the bag, and you know, toss it in a in the ocean. You know, to, if you don't want it washing back up, then toss it, uh, you know, in a fast food dumpster or whatever in a bag. They'll never Any find it. There's a lot that. of ways to get rid of it. Do go bury it somewhere. I, there's a, you don't flush it down the toilet. 160 chips. In, a, in the hotel you're staying in. At least if you're going to do it, go to the public bathroom in Harris and do it. This guy drops it in his own room's toilet and flushes 160 chips. So they say, well, this is interesting. Let's see whose toilet was leading to these pipes. Well, it was Christian Lusardi's. So by this point, he was already gone because he realized he clogged the toilet. He's like, oh, crap, that wasn't very smart of me. All right, well, i got to get out of this room. So he ditched that room uh, and... But he didn't even leave Atlantic City. He was found at the Super 8 Motel. So he kind of uh, took a step down where he was staying. <laughs> and uh, they they found him there. It's not clear how they found him there, but they found And they arrested him. And uh, he cashed $6,800 in the tournament, which is pretty pathetic given how many chips he must have snuck in there. Uh, he was the substantial chip leader... After day one with 519k, 
he also got a $2,000 bonus, apparently, for uh, being the day one chip leader. And uh, it has not you know, been you... found that he's had any accomplices. What were you going to say? I was going to say, you wonder if um, he essentially just piled chips on at the end of the day for that bonus. At the time, you don't know. It's a tough field anyway. Like, you don't know what's going to go on. So maybe you had an opportunity to just pile the chips on. Well, you know when you do before it. Before they bagged and tagged, essentially. I, maybe that. And I also have another theory. If I were to do this, if I were to have like a ton of chips in my pocket to pad my stack, and I would never do this, but if I was doing <laughs> right. it, oh, yeah. um, I would do it when I'd be switching tables. I don't want to give people advice on how to cheat, but you have to think that's the time you can totally get away with it because you get to your new table and nobody knew, knows what the hell you had in your previous table. So exactly. you just show up with a huge stack. Like, oh, wow, this guy's kicking ass. And th- th- it's very hard to catch someone doing that unless you watch them taking the chips out of their pockets. But there's a lot of ways to do that. You can see if anyone's watching you. Uh, there's a lot of ways to get chips out of your pocket quickly. Well, you would think, considering that he, they know it was him, they'll find that at some point. We It might still be, see, you know, yeah. that, that'll be released come trial and whatnot. But you would think that, that the security rewound the tapes and covered most of his like migration pattern the whole time he was there, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, he was guilty. Uh, there was a person who posted on 2 Plus 2 who claimed to be him, but I, I don't think it was him. I don't think he was out of jail at that point when it was written. I, I don't know if that was him or not. Did you ever figure that out? Well, I, I, I actually think in that post he said he was going to turn himself in on Monday, and I believe on Saturday he was already arrested. Yeah, so I think that was BS. Yeah, I've been a dupe or a troll. Yeah, messing around. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But um, he obviously didn't get to turn himself in if he was going to do it on Monday because apparently he was arrested already. And when it, the news broke over the weekend, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So uh, you guys might be wondering uh, how how is it possible that he got these chips even made. Who made these chips for him? And uh, I know. I have the answer. So uh, here... Who else? Well, so I'll (laughs) I'll, I'll give you the answer in a second here, but I'd like to preface it with a little bit of music. Uh, Actually, I should have this ready. Let's make this show look bad. Okay, here we go. Show you the world Shining, shimmering, splendid Tell me, princess I know this isn't quite uh, the same thing, but uh, This is Aladdin Of kind of the same theme Kind of the animated uh, feature Occurring in the Arab world You can get your chips Your counterfeit chip needs Fulfilled by Alibaba.com And how do I know he got it from Alibaba.com? Because uh, this genius criminal asked Alibaba a public question as to how to make counterfeit chips in October of 2013. Can you believe that? He asked him a public question. You know, so if he does win this tournament, no one's ever going to ever find this, right? By Googling his name. (laughs) So... (laughs) So this is this is what he wrote. Uh, actually, this is what they wrote to him. He asked a public question on Alibaba.com. Uh, 
uh, for a quote for counterfeit Borgata chips. This is what they wrote back. Dear Christian Lusardi, and keep in mind this was not made by some troll afterwards because this was dated October 10th, 2013. So, I mean, this just happened in 2014, so obviously this is, uh, this is real. This wasn't someone doing it after the fact. Dear Christian Lusardi, Juni Hardware and Plastic Company do business about custom poker chip for 12 years. Now, of course, this, this is Chinese. That's why it's uh, broken English. Uh, can manufacture various kinds of custom poker chip according to your special requirements. Some items export to U.S., U.K., etc. with good quality and competitive price. I should have done an accent on this. <laughs> oh, with a good quality and perf- c- competitive price. Uh, one, common use plastic material to ISO 9001. That's the funniest thing. ISO 9001 certified. Like, do you really think they're ISO 9001 certified, these counterfeit chips? <laughs> I, I, I seem to doubt that they got certified by ISO, but whatever. Uh, three, cheaper if large quantity, short delivery times. I, I guess he went for that, the large quantity. And uh, four, can produce plastic products according to your requirements. And the funniest thing is it has a picture of uh, a sample chip for him, and it actually says Borgata 25 on there. <laughs> so, I mean, this is like the smoking gun here. It's unbelievable. The, the only thing that would have been more incriminating is a Borgata 5000, but this is that it actually says Borgata on there if you look closely enough. And I think that's a crime too, right? Even if, though they're doing it out of country to like counterfeit chips. Like well, that. Th- yeah, but. Uh, you know, it's being done in China and nothing's, and they can claim, you know, they're just doing it for fun. But yeah, no, this this company couldn't really exist in the U.S., but uh, in China, it, it's very hard to clamp down on that sort of thing. So, can you imagine he he does this under his real name, and then they respond publicly on the website, so anyone who Google's Christian Lusardi can find this. I mean, I, you would have thought after that happened, after they publicly responded a, a quotation on their website. That anyone could access, he go. Hmm. Well, better abandon this plan. But no, no, he's going to go forward with it. So uh, that's what he did. He had this uh, Alibaba company make these chips. How much did he pay for these chips? He paid somewhere between seven point seven and eight point eight cents per chip. So uh, the ones he flushed down the toilet, you'll be happy to know, were only worth about uh, ten bucks. Ten bucks, eleven bucks. So you know, why not flush them down the toilet? It's not worth that much, except. Uh, they might catch you. You might go to jail for it. It's a little problem. I, I think they're going to throw the book at this guy. I, I because yeah. they, I, they take this very seriously when these sorts of things are compromised because it, it interferes with the economy over there in Atlantic City when these stories get out. Now let's go back. Now that we've talked about this bonehead, let's go back to what is the Borgata going to do about it? Because they stopped the tournament. They never restarted it with twenty-seven people left. Now. I have to admit, with everything that's happened to me, I actually lost track of this story from this point. What did end up happening for those final 27? As far as I know, nothing yet. I don't think that they've... Um, and obviously, I don't participate. I don't read 2 plus 2. You know, that's where that would break. But um, as far as I know, you know, the DGE would determine that at this point. Okay, um, so gaming and, is going to determine. Yeah, it's... You know, I said it on the other show. I think all you can do, really, is equity chop. That's what I would think, too. I think the Borgata has to just eat it. They're a very big casino. This isn't some tiny casino that can't afford it. I think they just have to eat it. It was their own lapse of security that allowed this to happen. This wasn't just like one guy, a guy like putting two or three chips in. This guy, this guy got a shitload of chips in where they had to cancel the whole tournament. That should not happen. They have to 
run a tournament, the reason you're paying all this rake partially is for security. And the security sure. failed big time. So since they failed big time in their uh, requirement to make sure the tournament is played fairly, while I can understand why they didn't want to continue at that point with the 27 uh, playing, not knowing how many of them were in on the cheating, uh, and they had to pause it to figure it out, and by the time they totally figured it out, it was kind of too late to restart it, I, I think that's what they should have done, is done an equity chop uh, based on some formula, and if you know, if some people got extra chips because uh, they won them off Christian Lasardi or because uh, they were in on it with him and they haven't been caught yet, then so be it. If they can't prove, the, and if they want to delay it while they, if they say, okay, we're going to give everyone an equity chop, but we've got to do a comprehensive investigation to make sure none of you were involved with this. Fine. If they have to wait, but they know what they will be getting, fine. But I, I Which think is it's where I, I would assume it's at. Actually. But but do people know where they're getting what they're getting? I don't like. Has anyone gotten any information? I don't think so. I, I think everyone you would know that by now. There'd yeah. Be, uh, reports of it. Yeah. So it's so, a sensitive thing because of the online gaming. It goes beyond just this tournament for mainly New Jersey. You know that there's a lot of people that are against online gaming, obviously, and and it's a really easy situation even though it didn't really relate to online gaming, just that the nature of sometimes poker and gambling is it can be real sorted. So it's a, for him also, it's a really bad time to have done it because you don't want to be that guy they make the example yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, and I think they will. <laughs> and and I, I just think these 27 players, especially if it seems like very few of them or none of them are likely in on this, uh, that's just... That's just what you have to do. You you just have to eat it, pay them the the, the equity of of, uh, of what happened there, and and then give refunds to everybody else who who entered. See, that's the sticking point because they've already been paid. I mean, a certain amount of the money is gone, obviously. Like, and I know what you're saying. So the Borgata eats some of the cost of that, or at least right? get partial refunds or something. Because uh, um, people like if you went up against Christian Lusardi, uh, it's just not fair. You would have. You weren't playing in a fair tournament. It's not just that he had an advantage. It's it's, it's worse than him. Just like like let's say he added a bunch of chips at the end of the day, and then very quickly chunked them off and didn't really have a chance to bust people or intimidate people with his stack. Then it's a little bit of a different story. Even though a lot of chips got in there that shouldn't have been, at least people didn't lose thanks to him. But I, I have to imagine a lot of people lost chips because he had this huge stack and people didn't want to go up against him and he could run people off hands. And You know how it is when you have a big stack and everyone else doesn't. I don't know the how... The question is, does he know how to use a big stack? Yeah, I don't know. But but still... <laughs> you know, some I, reports I, on Twitter I read were like, this guy's terrible. He probably was terrible. Most of these That's the funny <laughs> thing. Most of these cheaters actually are terrible. Uh, most of, I, I've seen most of the cheaters and colluders are actually... Absolutely terrible poker players. So bad that one time I actually saw two colluders on inner poker, and instead of reporting them, I actually chased them from table to table to play with them. <laughs> and I just so they just kept trying to force me out of the hand. I just kept raising along with them. Like <laughs> I had any decent hand, I raised along with them, and I just kept crushing them. They they you know they're four betting every street. I'm like all right, fine. You know I've got top pair. And, uh, I, I think I've got better than both of you guys. And sure enough, you know they have nothing, and I beat them both. And yeah, there there are a few hands they had something real, and I lost. But they they chunked off their money very fast because I knew what they were up to, and they and they still thought that they somehow could could beat me colluding. Now if they were good players colluding, I would have had a real hard time. But they weren't. They were terrible. So, uh, anyway, 
it's uh, it is a very tough thing to figure out. But you have to do something for the people who got screwed, both in that they couldn't complete the final twenty-seven, and tougher, as you said, the ones who busted without making the money. Give them something, even if you don't refund everything. Give them something because you know there's sorry there's there's an added variable in that this was a re-entry tournament. So what about if you had fired three bullets? Yeah. Well, uh, gonna... it can't be perfect, but at least if the Borgata comes out looking like they really tried to make this right, and that they ate a lot of money on this thing because of this disaster, but they just did their best to make it right, where not everybody walked away 100% whole, but they did the best to make it right. They did something fair for everybody overall. I think everyone would come away smiling about this one. But it, I, I think they're not going to do it. I think they're going to do the minimum. Oh, I don't know about that. Let, let, let me explain this. The Borgata is the classiest operation in Atlantic City. Yeah, that I know. And, you know they are. And they are not going to, like... They're very well aware of, like, the long-run consequences as opposed to the short ones pertaining to this case because they know it's well-known and it hit the mainstream media to a certain extent. And I doubt that, if, if anything, they're going to pay more rather than less trying to get over on anybody. You know, they're, I would imagine they do that. They're generous as is with poker well, I, players. I, I hope with, so. With the comps and, yeah, and whatnot. I, I mean, I've been there. There's no question that they are the best of the Atlantic City properties. But uh, sometimes these businesses, they, they're short-sighted. They just, uh, they look at this like, okay, the poker room doesn't make all that much money compared to the rest of the casino. If we pay this out, you know, the poker room's going to be in the red for a very long time. We don't want to do it. Like, a lot of these are very departmentalized to where they uh, one department doesn't want to show a loss or it looks really bad and even if you think well it's still just the Borgata but anyway it's uh, we'll have to see what happens I, I wasn't It'll sure be something, interesting. yeah I, I wasn't sure something had happened because I hadn't uh, followed as much since I had all my uh, difficulties here but uh, what a weird story and uh, just a lesson to how really easy it is to cheat. If this guy had better quality chips, if this guy didn't sneak so many in, if he didn't flush them down the toilet. Now, the toilet isn't what got the whole thing discovered, because it was discovered before the toilet you know, the thing was caught. But if he had been more subtle about it, he could have easily cheated and gotten away with it. It's just like what I was saying with the AP cheaters, back with the super users. If they were not so blatant about it, they would have been cheating a lot longer than six weeks. That's why the UB thing went on for so long, because the UB thing, they were more subtle about it until the end they got greedy and again got too blatant. So if you cheat but are subtle about your cheating, and if you're smart about your cheating, you can get away with cheating for a long time if the ones who are there to police the cheating are not paying attention. And this proves how easy it is to cheat in these tournaments. And we've had a lot of other weird things happen over the years. Uh, the weird thing with tur- with, with tur- extra tournament chips being found at the World Series of Poker, the main event, which was never solved, not to this degree. But uh, mm-hmm. a lot of weird things that have happened, which clear people are sneaking in chips. And uh, I- I've thought about this too. And tell me what you think of this one. I guess this show could be used, this particular episode could be used as like a primer for cheaters, so I hope not. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I thought about this, and I'm hoping, the reason I'm saying these things is not to teach people how to cheat, but, but to try to hopefully bring some attention to vulnerabilities that exist so they can be closed. 
The World Series of Poker thinks that they are stopping the cheating uh, of transferring chips between events by making all the events proportionate to the buy-ins with the chips you get. So if you enter a $1,000 World Series event, I'm talking about the bracelet events, you get 3000 in chips. If you enter a 10000 event, you get 30000 in chips. 5000 event, 15000 in chips. So it's always a 3 to 1 ratio. So their attitude is, you're pretty much paying 33 and a third cents for every tournament dollar, no matter what event you're entering. So if you transfer chips from one to another... Yes, it's cheating, but at least uh, it, it's it's taking from one event and, and moving the equal amount of money to another event, you know, monetarily. So, while that's not good, it's it, at least it's preventing people from getting a ton of chips, starting chips at like a hundred dollar event, and bringing it to a ten thousand dollar event where they have the same starting chips. The problem here know. is, the problem here still is that later in events, you can remove a small amount from your stack without really jeopardizing very much of your position and save it for later. So let me give an example. You're deep in one of these uh, $1,500 buy-in huge field World Series events and you have 700000 in chips. Right. You take twenty k off your stack and put it in your pocket. Now keep in mind it's in your pocket. So you could, if you really needed this 20k, if you start getting short stack, you could always take it back out of your pocket, provided you don't get caught. But provided that doesn't happen, that 20k is not going to matter very much. But where well, it will matter a lot is for tomorrow's $1,500 buy-in event, where you start with 4,500 in chips. Imagine you've got 20k now to add to that. You don't add mm-hmm. it. You don't add to it in the first 15 minutes, obviously. But but you keep it. So if you get off to a bad start. Just slip in a few more thousand, or wait till a few hours have passed. You know, add five or ten thousand, especially when you're changing tables. This twenty thousand you've snuck out, which is a tiny dent in a seven hundred k stack, probably won't matter at all in your overall results. Uh, gives you a huge edge if you can sneak it into the beginning of the next day's event, and I think that's still a huge vulnerability. That's why I think they really need to buy different chipsets. For every single World Series bracelet event, and it's you know I know it's going to be a pain in the ass to store them all for 65 events, but they have a lot of room at the Rio. They can store 65 sets of chips. They can definitely afford 65 sets of chips for all the money they make on that thing, and that's the only real way to make them secure. I think they have like two or three sets of chips for these World Series events, or, or different looking chips. I'm talking about. From my that's, that's the solution to the problem yeah. right there. Yeah, for all casinos that want to run these big events at, with multiple tournaments at the same time, you have to have a unique series of chips for each event to safeguard from all that, all those possibilities, really. Yeah, I, mean, I thought about this, like, you know, I, I wasn't going to cheat, but I'm thinking, like, when I'm at the final table of this uh, 5k limit event this year, and I'm thinking, like, I'm watching the blinds being, you know, whatever thousand, whatever thousand, like, someone steals my small blind, I'm like, wow, that small blind would be a great way to double up my stack uh, at tomorrow's tournament. Like, I would never do it. I'm just thinking, wow, you know, like, uh, it's, like, so inconsequential <laughs> here, but, you, you know, you just take you just take this, this small blind off the table and bring it to tomorrow's 1500. I, You know, I've got a good stack already. Like, that's... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't do it, but a lot of... I, I, think, I think people would. And I think this is a huge hole, even in the World Series. So, uh, and that, and, of course, counterfeit chips have got to watch out for. Now, I know if 
counterfeit chips are well made, there's only so much you could do, but that's where they've really got to watch people. They've they've got to tell the dealers to watch stacks and make sure that no one's stack just jumps up out of nowhere or or uh when they're gonna move someone. Uh have the tell the floorman to eyeball the person's stack and then eyeball it when they get to the next table. To go back and check. Yeah, it's more work, but they they gotta do these things. Otherwise uh, this is gonna become an epidemic, especially if Alibaba starts making some better chips. So <laughs> yeah, seriously. So th- this could be a real problem, and uh, well, it bring if nothing more, it does bring to light this issue that it happened in, in a relative, you know, in a big series with with the World Poker Tour. So it's not something to take lightly, and I, I'm sure the World Series Poker's had many meetings already about this with the World Series coming up in a few months. You know, yeah, who knows? You, you never know what they're doing over there. <laughs> you, you you get to think a lot of times the World Series of Poker should be doing something, but uh, whether they actually do it. Is uh, a different story. Okay, so uh, moving on to the next subject here, that that was the biggest story that's come out in the last few weeks in poker. Uh, here's a smaller story, but something that's closer to me personally. Uh, I've talked a lot about lock poker on this show for quite some time, even before lock poker was widely known to be a scam. Can I ask you a question? In all honesty, yeah. Have you ever had a lock poker account and yes. played on lock poker? I, I don't think I. This is funny. The only reason I have an account there was years ago, before they had any kind of reputation, good or bad. Uh, they were a brief sponsor of Donk Down. <laughs> Either Donk Down or Never Won Poker, one of those two. And we even had like one or two free rolls on there. And then whatever for whatever reason, they they weren't a sponsor anymore. I wasn't the one managing this stuff, so I, I didn't really pay attention. But. Uh, as part of the agreement for the sponsorship, uh, they gave all the owners, including me, like, I don't know, $300 in our lock account. So for that reason, I had to create a lock account. I don't think I ever played a hand on there. I just had that money. And I didn't have to play. I didn't have to clear the money in a bonus or anything. It was just money they were paying us, and that was the way they paid us. So I had a right to cash out whenever I wanted. Uh, what happened was, long after that, I remembered I had the money. And I went to go cash it out, and they just were not responding. It just my cash out just sat and sat and sat, and I kept emailing them, and I was getting ignored. And only when I threatened to go public with it, I said, "Hey, I run a large forum," and I'm gonna. Then they suddenly responded, "Oh, oh, sorry about that. Uh, we're gonna get this cash out processed immediately." And then they cashed they cashed me out. Uh, so that was that. And was that prior to Jennifer Larson? Or no, no, she was there. Time? She was there the whole time. She was there. Uh, Have you ever met her? No, no. I've seen that one picture of her that Bodog, uh, that Calvin Air, uh, made public. But it's like the only one of her. Yeah, right? it's the only the picture of part. her. I actually asked Melanie Wisner one time what she looks like and like how old is she, and she said she looks like she's around forty. So that's aside from that picture and that description, that's it. So a- anyway. I never played on there. The reason I'm so passionate about it was just because after everything I went through with AP and UB, uh, I saw all the same signs with Lock Poker being just like them. I saw a super shady company that said and did everything they could to mislead people, to cheat people, to not keep their word. I saw a major scandal brewing there a long time ago without knowing exactly what it would be. But I saw so many small scandals, I said, something big is going to happen here. And sure enough, the big thing that happened is they have no money and can't pay anyone. So, anyway, uh, Card Player Magazine, 
I used to really respect him. Now, Garrett, how long have you been playing poker? Uh, the first time I honestly played, I think, was uh, about 05, 04, 05, probably. Okay, so... Um, I played a little bit earlier than that. I first played. I played my first hand of poker on January seventeenth, two thousand one, and I, I celebrated that this year, my thirteen year anniversary of poker. Lucky thirteen by catching the norovirus. That was exactly <laughs> when it happened. A couple but, broken ribs, and then the broken ribs the next day. <laughs> but uh, uh, I read Card Player when I would go play live at Commerce, the Hustler, and I really admired Card Player. I, you know, it had all these writers in there that were big names, you know, Phil Hellmuth and Daniel Negreanu and um, all these others, including some lesser known names. But I, I enjoyed it. I looked forward to reading Card Player every time. I was always excited when I'd see there was a new card player in the card room. And I'd read it. And I, I even thought, this is going to sound a little bit lame, but I even thought when I'd sit there reading, I'd go, you know, one day, I hope I can be like a well-known poker player and I can write for Card Player one day. Like I, I really thought that as I was reading it, and uh, so I, I really admired Card Player, and um, I actually came close to writing for them. As I said, after I won my bracelet, I said, "Well, okay, well, I, th- I think I've gotten here." So I, I contacted Card Player and said, "You know, would you guys like me to write for you?" And I've noticed you guys don't cover online poker very much, so. They actually said, yeah, we have a need for online poker to be written about. And then somehow, I, I don't know what happened. It just never came to pass. Uh, and then they ended up having one of their internal writers write about online poker occasionally or whatever at the time. But uh, anyway. Are they a sinking ship, point blank, to be honest with you? Yes, big time. I, so, Sorry. I find some of their articles, because again, like you said, I, I do keep up what's going on for the most part in the poker world. I'm interested, and I read random things, and every time I come across something that's card player on the internet, it seems like to be a regurgitated article. Almost, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's reworded is, in a sense. <laughs> I'll tell you when they really started to go downhill. Um, I, I think their peak was in 2005, actually. In 2005, I remember they were the main ones covering the World Series of Poker Action. And I was amazed at how good they were at seeing what was going on and posting it online. So like at the main event, and I had just become a known name that year because that was the same year that I won the bracelet and finished third in the other event. So I'm at the main event playing for the very first time. And I didn't have that many notable hands. But like the two notable hands I had the whole time, like one was like a set over top pair and some other one, they caught both of them and wrote them on there. Of all the people all over the field, and even though I'm not a huge name by any means, I didn't even see a reporter anywhere. Somehow they caught both my notable hands and got them up right away. I couldn't believe it. It's like they were like the, the ninja reporters. They were just everywhere and had eyes everywhere. They did the greatest job covering that and every other event. Uh, and, and I was just, wow. They're, they're just doing an amazing job here. I think when they really started to have the problems, I forgot what year it was, 07 or 08, they lost their ability to cover the World Series because Bluff and Poker News teamed up and signed an exclusive contract with the World Series to be the official reporters, which meant Card Player uh, was mostly off the floor. They had like uh, permission to have like one guy on the floor who could copy some of the Poker News reports or something like that. But uh, basically they couldn't do their own reporting anymore. And Jeff Shulman, who is the... Uh, 
the number two at card player. The, the head of card player is Barry Shulman, his father. Jeff Shulman's around my age. He's the uh, second in command there. He was furious about this. And I kind of felt bad for him. Because, to be honest, uh, you know, Bluff Poker News didn't do that good of a job that first year. Definitely not the type of job card player had been doing. And I thought, wow, I want a card player back. And I thought about, they really got a raw deal here. Just, uh, you know, Jeff Shulman was saying that Bluff Poker News just kind of snuck in, grabbed the rights, never any kind of negotiation process. And that was that. Card player was told, get the hell out. Money, probably, right? Was yeah. It, uh, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think they just kind of approached them and the World Series like, okay, fine. Like, they didn't bother to ask card player, hey, what do you guys want? They probably just said, okay, fine. You know, you're offering us this? Great. I don't know the specifics. Strong-armed them. <laughs> yeah, but... but The World Series. Yeah, that's what they did. So, I felt bad for Jeff Shulman and card player at the time. And now I don't at all. Now that I see what they've done and what they've become. Now, card players suffering for a number of reasons. That, that was the beginning of their skid downhill. Some of the other problems were people stopped consulting print magazines as much to get their poker news. Most people get their poker news from online now. You just don't consult print magazines that much. You just don't want to read print magazines about poker for the most part. Yeah, forums are more interactive and up-to-date. Yeah, or even just uh, news sites like Poker News or whatever. You know, there's just so many news sites out there. Uh, There's even ones that aren't uh, as big but but do a great job like Poker Fuse. So that was another reason. Another one, of course, Black Friday. At least prior to Black Friday, Card Player was making a lot of money from ads in their print magazine. But after that, the money dried up big time. Between Black Friday and just the decline of online poker in general, and the decline of poker in general, other than the World Series, which does a great job marketing, but you know everything else, poker has uh, kind of slid in popularity some from its peak. But all mm-hmm. these factors together just really brought card player down to being a shell of its former self. They were not really relevant anymore. Now, I already had a problem with them advertising UB up until the bitter end. But I won't say I was making excuses for them, but I didn't hate them as much for this because, number one, a lot of sites were advertising UB until the very very end. Number two, uh, UB really tried to pull the wool in in front of everybody's eyes that these were, quote, new owners that the cheaters were gone, that they had been sold, so why blame the new guys? Now, I never bought that for a second. Everybody really paying attention didn't buy it, but you could see, okay, maybe card player, even though they should, maybe a lot of these companies aren't paying that much close attention to the UB scandal to where they don't realize that there aren't new owners. So I I wasn't excusing them for the UB ads, and it pissed me off, but I thought, all right, at least maybe, maybe, maybe they have an excuse Maybe they're ignorant to it. Maybe they don't know for sure. Maybe it's hard for them to tell. And they're not the only ones doing it. So, now there's really no excuse for what Card Player is doing today. Card Player is the main media outlet that Lock Poker has been advertising on. Lock Poker had these big two-page ads in the front of Card Player for the longest time. Card player sponsored the, or is it Lock Poker sponsored the Card Player Player of the Year race? He used to say Card Player of the Year sponsored by Lock Poker. Lock Poker was all over CardPlayer.com, all over the place, all over the magazine. 
Very big, glossy print ads. Now you're thinking, well, maybe lock, maybe card players, especially being a shell of their former selves, maybe they just don't know of what's going on at Lock Poker. Well, they know very well. In addition to being told by many people, I'm sure, I told Jeff Schulman personally in May of 2013. I saw him at a 40-80 game at Bellagio. He was at my table. I even put a bad beat on him, too. But uh, <laughs> I did. I had that Queen-10 offsuit, which was firing with air the whole way, and hit a queen on the river, and he called me down with, like, ace-king or something. and uh, Or not, I think he had tens. Or not even better than that. I think he had, like, tens or something. Something really, really frustrating for him. Anyway, putting that aside, um, I told him about lock poker. And to show he understood, he said back to me, wow, sounds like full tilt all over again. And I said, exactly, just like full tilt all over again. He says, oh, okay, I'll look into it. Well, if he had looked into it, he would have seen, yes, it's like full tilt all over again. That was me. Oh, that's bon- uh, I, I, How do you believe that? I mean, you know a guy like that's got his finger on the pulse. Yeah, of course. On, but, but, but this totally eliminated all doubt, because now I told him and he understood, and he said he understood. So now you can't say you didn't know. Right. And right. and so that was May. So here we are in February, and Locke is still not gone from card player. So on 2 plus 2, some people really got fed up, and so we're going to start calling out card player. So a lot of us, myself included, started to tweet at card player. It's at card player media is their account, and just really gave it to them. And the reason, you may ask, why is this locks? Why is this card player's responsibility? Why do they have to worry about what their advertisers do? Why do they have to uh, kind of play nanny for their advertisers? Why can't they just let people advertise and and you know if you have a problem with that company, then take it up with that company? Why is it why is it card player's responsibility to refuse ads from companies that certain people don't like? The answer is, if you know a company is a scam and is stealing from your readers, and you still let them advertise in your magazine, then you are leading your readers knowingly to be stolen from. And that's a big mistake. You don't do that. Helping perpetrate the scam. Yes. You're you're definitely an accomplice to the scam. And you can't just say, well, we don't care, you know, this isn't our responsibility. Of course it's your responsibility. Unless you don't give a crap about your readers. Unless you absolutely don't give a crap and you don't care if they get cheated, you should not be running scams. I mean, is, should card player run an ad? A Nigerian prince has a hundred million dollars to give away, so uh, send him twenty thousand of processing fees, and you'll get ten uh, percent of his hundred million. I mean, should they be doing that? <laughs> because uh, really, that's uh, th- that's the same logic. So they definitely, if they are convinced that Locke is a scam, and if you look at any of the information out there, it's very clear. Lock is a scam. They're not paying anyone. They're lying about it. They're stalling everyone. They're broke. It's very clear from all the What's different the scandals. Game, you think they're just going to close up shop one day, make just drag as much rake as possible, and then yes. split? Yes, I think they're just going to uh, that or hope someone buys them. I think that's kind of what they're hoping at this point. But I don't know. Who knows what's in Jennifer Larson's head? But but yeah, something like that. But but anyway, card player. They definitely have a social responsibility to the community and by continuing to publish lock ads knowing what lock really is they are showing they do not give a shit if their users or if their readers get scammed 
by one of their advertisers over and over and over again, month after month. And there are excuses given. Like someone on 2 Plus 2 did something kind of funny. They contacted uh, Card Player Sales and said, hey, I want to advertise in your magazine. I want to pay whatever, but uh, I'm a little concerned you're advertising for Lock Poker. That's a scam, so why are you doing that? I'm not sure if I want to associate our company with Lock Poker. And so the person, the salesman was fooled and wrote back, well... We keep all to all our contracts. If we have a contract with you, we keep to it. That's our commitment to our advertisers. So that's why we're doing it. We'll, and we'll give you the same commitment. So uh, that's a bunch of crap. It doesn't matter what the contract says for a few reasons. First of all, uh, Lock Poker, in addition to being a scam, is illegally operating in the U.S. Card Player is mainly a U.S. magazine that is geared towards U.S. readers. The ads for Lock Poker are clearly geared towards U.S. players. Since Lock Poker is breaking the law in that way, that alone makes the contract illegal. Um, the way it works, like let's let me give you guys an example. Let's say uh, Juan Valdez, the cocaine dealer in my neighborhood, wants me to help advertise that he's going to sell cocaine to uh, anyone who wants to buy it from him in the neighborhood. So he has me uh, walk around with his t-shirt saying, uh, if you want to buy cocaine, uh, call Juan Valdez on his burner phone at this phone number. And he pays me $10,000 a month to walk around town with that ad. So I do it for a month. He pays me for, he pays me for a year in advance. I do it for a month, get my 10 k but I'm still holding it, you know, another 110 k for the rest of the year. Then I, I think better of it. I go, wow, I, I, I shouldn't be getting involved in this. So even though I have a contract with Juan to do this for a year, I go to Juan and say, sorry, I can't bring myself to do this anymore. I've done it for a month. I'm going to keep the 10K for the month. I'm going to give you the other 110K back for the other 11 months I have not worked. And I'm, I'm not doing it anymore. He can't sue me for breach of contract. He could not take me to court and say, you're supposed to advertise my cocaine dealing for another 11 months you didn't do it. Now, if I didn't give him his 110K back, then he could take me to court, believe it or not. Because then I really kept money for something I didn't do. But if I refunded the prorated amount of money, then I actually could break the contract. Because the contract is for illegal services. Same with Lock Poker. Card player could legally at any time break the contract with Lock simply because they're advertising illegal services. And in addition, they have good reason to believe and very strong evidence that Lock is scamming people. So they're also breaking the law that way as well. They're breaking the law both by offering poker and processing real money payments to U.S. players and by stealing that money. Furthermore, Locke is never going to sue them because Locke would never set foot in the U.S. for obvious reasons. Third, this would not harm their reputation at all with other advertisers because it would show that card player has uh, scruples. I don't think anyone would blame them for taking down a scam site. The only other ones that may be bothered by this would be other scam sites that want to advertise there. But if Card Player refunded Locke's money for the ads that had not been run, they would be in perfect legal standing. So there's a bunch of crap as to why they are keeping to the contract. Uh, so, let me... Uh, I wonder if Card Player on some level... Is a little bit strapped financially. Well, Got a right. Lot of competition uh, with Poker News and all that. Like, are they 
yes. do need the money? <laughs> they definitely do need the money. Now, I don't think the Shulmans need the money personally. I think they're fairly well off. I don't know this for sure, but I think, sure. I, but I, think I think the business itself is struggling big time, and that they want to... This was their biggest advertiser. This is the ones who are paying them the most, and they, they didn't want to give it up. So they're giving themselves every excuse they could to... Uh, to continue running the ads, which, which is very unethical. I couldn't sleep with... I, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror if I'm running ads for a scam site. Like, the way Card Player, the way the showman should see Card Player is the way I see this show. I would never run ads on this show leading to our listeners getting cheated. I, I appreciate all the listeners here. I appreciate the people who want to take the time to listen to what I have to say about what's going on in the poker and gambling world. And, and I would feel awful if I got my loyal listeners scammed because I'm greedy and, and, and want to take advertising money. But even if it wasn't even like loyal listeners or, or any group of people I cared about, I'd still feel awful if I got innocent people scammed. In fact, the reason I do this show, the reason I run my site, the reason I get involved in 2 plus 2 threads about this sort of thing is because I, it makes me feel good when I get in the way of scammers, when I alert people to scammers, when... I help break down something going on with scammers. I, I, I feel if there's even one person that doesn't get scammed as a result of things I'm doing, I feel great. I feel like I've done a great thing. I feel like I've used my time wisely. So this is the opposite. If you're running a magazine that still to some degree has a loyal following and you're leading these people off a cliff. So... Yeah, let me, in, some, uh, you know, in, in, in some ways they can almost do more damage than an individual... Yeah, because an assumption from somebody is, oh, this is in the magazine; it must be legitimate. I'm going to trust them with my money. Yeah. Now, uh, I noticed that card player has scaled down somewhat their lock involvement. And keep in mind, they have not responded to any of the tweets about lock. They've not responded to anyone. But at the same time, they did scale down the amount of lock poker on their site. But don't give them too much credit yet. And by the way, someone said they also picked up a recent card player, and those print ads are gone as well. But wait, before you think they developed a conscience, if you go to cardplayer.com, you still see on the left side, lock poker 200% bonus up to 4,000. That's really useful. And then uh, you scroll down. And you see some uh, rotating banner ads. In fact, right now the top ad is Lock Poker. So they have two rotating banner ads for their various affiliate sites, which is Bovada, America's Card Room Lock, Carbon, Sportsbook, Players Only. And these rotate. So if you refresh the page, the one on the top will become different again. And uh, it just went from Lock to Bovada, and the one in the middle will be different again too. So it went from Sportsbook to uh, Lock. But the thing is, Lock is still very much present on the site, on both the left and right columns, and on those middle ads. They're just kind of uh, like on a rotating banner basis. Now they're kind of on the same footing as all the other sites. They're not a direct advertiser anymore. It seems. It seems now they're more of like an affiliate thing, where you click mm-hmm. on that and they get some kind of bonus for you signing up through these banners. But they shouldn't be running anything. They should remove lock completely, just like 2 plus 2 did. So, I think Card Player either believes that by doing this, that they've complied, which they haven't, obviously, if they're still running any kind of lock ad. And, and number two, it's possible that they just don't give a crap at all, and then lock just stop paying them. That lock, or, or lock just cancel the advertising contract. 
Um, mm. Now that leads me to my next point. Locke has been known to actually back down on their own promotions or their own marketing when they think they're taking too much heat. For example, I was already this year, or actually last year, 2013, in the World Series, to really give a hard time to anyone wearing a lock patch at my tables. How'd that go over? <laughs> well, it didn't because nobody wore them. It turned oh. out that nobody wore the patches, and I, th- I thought at first, oh, cool. All the pros got together and said, we're not going to wear the patches. Well, that wasn't what happened. Jennifer Larson herself called all the pros and said, don't wear the patches. You're still lock pros, but with all the controversy we, we have right now, all that's going to do is get negative press for us. So just don't wear the patches. So they didn't wear the patches at Jennifer's direction. Uh, second... Did they free roll the main event, the lock pros? I, I don't know what their deal was. But uh, second... And I just got this information somewhat recently. Lock Poker appears to have fired all their pros. You can't find them anywhere in the lockpoker.eu page. All the pros have not been fired. They have just temporarily taken down the pros to where it appears they have no pros. But they claim that sometime in February, they did this in January, removing all the pros, they said sometime in February they're going to put it all back up. And that they're just uh, temporarily like giving the pros a break in a way. This hasn't been announced in any way. This is insider information I got. That uh, they still have some pros. They're just not using them to promote the site in any way right now. Again, to let things cool down. So it wouldn't surprise me if after all the hassle that Card Player has received in the last few weeks, that they went to Jennifer Larson and were like, look, what, what do we do about this? And Jennifer's like, you know what? Rather than a big story coming of this, how about you just take all our ads down, take them out of the magazine. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll, and we'll come back a little bit later. Just let, Let's just take it all down for right now. I don't know that happened. I'm just saying that could have been what happened given Locke's pattern of kind of hiding out for a bit whenever the heat gets turned up. But but for sure, there's Locke ads right now on carplayer.com if you go there. They may yeah, have... Uh, they may the have, side. Yeah, they may have uh, toned it down some, but uh, it's still there. It's, either you have the ads or you don't. There's no such thing as... I'm going to take down most of the ads, but still leave some of them up. That, that still shows you're willing to lead your readers to a scam site. Either you what's are or you no- aren't. Sorry. What's noticeable, too, is it's all offshore U.S.-facing sites that they're soliciting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No um, Nevada, New Jersey. That is interesting. Well, Probably uh, not for no reason, so... Yeah, I didn't notice that before, but you're right. Let's talk about... Uh, something that actually happened in Nevada. Todd Brunson, son of Doyle Brunson, uh, he's never quite been able to make the name of for himself that Doyle did. And it's, it's kind of hard to follow in Doyle's footsteps. But, Legend. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, it, it is. good DNA but in terms of a poker player, I guess. Yeah. So... Um, Todd Brunson still has a lot of pull just because of who his father is, and then he's had some accomplishment in poker himself. But um, this is what he posted on uh, January 28th. Okay, who is ready for some very good gossip? A guy I used to play 4,000, 8,000 with every day just got caught on camera stealing $800 from the Jap five minutes ago at the Bellagio. 
That's weird in a lot of ways. Uh, a guy he played 4000 8000 with in the past stole $800 on camera at the Bellagio from a person referred to as the Jap. Now, you don't refer to anyone as a Jap since, like, World War II. That's a derogatory term. But uh, the, the, this, and he doesn't bother to explain why he's calling this guy the Jap. You know, like, that's, that's uh, really... Uh, that's, that's not a very nice way to talk about Japanese people, especially when you're somewhat of a public figure in poker like Todd Brunson. So then he writes, The Jap came back from the bathroom, being the cheapskate he is, knew down to the last penny how much he had on the table. So, he asked the dealer what happened, then told the floor to check the camera. Busted! The thief tried some lame-ass excuse. I'm th- I'm sorry, I'm thought those mine chips. Of course, he's quoting me like in broken English. How the mighty have fallen. First, who Jedi, referring to the tip ceiling scandal. Now this. Sad. Uh, and then someone asked him, is this a well-known player? And he said, yes, very well-known. And then so the person guessed it was Min Lai. He said, that was the obvious answer, but for once in his miserable life, he's innocent of charges. And then he writes, okay, I guess most of you have it. One more hint. They used to make a cat food named after him. Final hint. On the continent my ancestors came from, his name is used for both hello and goodbye. So let's talk about the cat food right now. Um, let's, uh... Here, let's, here's, uh... What he was talking about. Purina Cat Chow has all 25 essential vitamins and minerals your cat needs to help him be healthy. It's 100% complete and balanced nutrition. For one... Okay, let's, let's hear the beginning of that again. Purina Cat Chow... Purina Cat Chow has... Cat Chow has all 25 essential vitamins... 25 essential... 25 essential vitamins... Uh, I'm trying to get it to say chow, but you know what I'm talking about here. Chow and... And, uh... Um... So, that, and of course, uh, referring to the Italian word chow. So he's referring to Chow Zhang, of course. So people wondered, is this really true? Was one-time high-limit poker player Chow Zhang really stealing $800 live while the cameras were watching him? So, I don't know. Well, I like those I, games a little bit more like home gamey to a certain extent. It could have been in a back room, one of those private rooms. Well, no, it, it actually came out what really happened. So, at first I thought this probably is true. But uh, I thought, why would Todd Brunson ever make this up? Well, it turned out that this was not at all true, from what I can tell. First of all, the Jap he was referring to is a Japanese player named Shunjiro Uchida, He's also known as Shun in the poker circles. I've played with Shun many times before. Shun is a very tight, kind of tight, aggressive, nitty limit player for the most part. Not a bad player. I'm not. I'm not trying to criticize him. I'm just saying, like, uh, he he's the guy who usually has it when he's raising. Um, he he's good at extracting money out of you. He's got a hand. I'm not saying that he's uh, you know weak tight or anything, but uh, he's tight aggressive. 
Uh, pretty good player. I've played with him before. Uh, pretty quiet guy. Uh, apparently he and uh, Todd Brenson are friends. So Todd Brunson kids around with him and calls him the Jap. So that's fine. You know, if, if Shun's okay with it, being called the Jap, there's no problem with that. But Todd Brunson stupidly doesn't explain that. When he says, the Jap this, the Jap that, he looks like a racist. So that's already stupid. He should have said, oh, and the reason I'm calling him the Jap is, you know, it's a joke between me and him. You know, he's a good friend of mine. <laughs> he doesn't, doesn't bother to say that. But, but putting that aside, uh, the stories came out later. Now keep in mind, Todd Brunson was not at that table, so he's already telling a third-hand story. From someone at the table, this was the story that came out. Um, Chow came back, he, he left the table and then came back. And he thought that $400 was missing. I think he went to the bathroom and came back and thought $400 was missing. He was playing some sort of $20 chip game, where one stack is, you know, 20 chips is uh, $400. I, I think it was like 8160 mix or something. Uh, so someone else told him. Shun took it. And Shun himself was in the bathroom, so he couldn't defend himself and say, no, I didn't. So they told him not that Shun stole it from him, but that Shun did this as a prank on him to see if he would notice. And then Shun left himself to go to the bathroom. So Chow said, oh, okay, well, I'm going to do a re-prank, re-steal on Shun. So Chow took $800 from Shun, his own 400 back plus another 400 to see if Shun would notice. And this was, again, as a joke, because he thought Shun was messing with him as a joke, so he kind of did the same thing back. So Shun came back and heard about this, and he's like, oh, you, you took 800 from me? Okay. And then grabbed 1200 back. Again, jokingly. So each time they're grabbing 400 more. And other people are obviously witnessing this, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the thing is, the whole thing's a joke. They're all smiling and laughing as they're doing it. And so at this point, uh, now they're kind of finished. So Chow's like, okay, okay, yeah, very funny, all right, so uh, give me my $800 back. And, uh, and Shun's like, wait a minute, $800? No, I only, only you 400 Because, uh, you know, you took 800 from me, I took 1200 from you, so take 400 back, not 800 And Chow says, no, it's 800 because you took 400 from me to start with. He says, no, I didn't. I did. The first I heard of this was when I came back from the bathroom. And they're like, well, no, no, you, you uh, people told me you took it. He's like, no, I never took anything. So, so he's like, where'd my $400 go? And Shun's like, I don't know. I had nothing to do with it. So here's your 400 back, and that's it. So I guess the camera was called to figure out what happened to Chow's 400 in the first place. And um, they couldn't figure it out. It probably didn't disappear at all. It probably just was in his head. And that was that. So the only question really between Shun and Chow was uh, the whole time Chow was believing Shun had taken the 400 from him in the first place as a joke, and Shun thought that the first move was done by Chow taking his 800. So uh, that's where the disconnect was. But they, these two apparently are, are friendly too. And it was never seen as any kind of theft. So that that was the story. So Todd Brunson totally mangled this whole thing and really, really made Chow Jang look bad for no good reason. Like he 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 really just uh, uh, libeled this guy's name. 
<laughs> There's probably a lot of you. You know this emotion involved, and maybe some personal um, needling going on. On some level, I, I think. <laughs> well, he probably does have something against Chao Zhang. I have to imagine that this uh, he reported this gleefully, like he was reporting on an enemy. But you, you don't screw this up. Uh, you, you don't make this mistake. If you're going to come out and accuse someone of stealing like this, especially a well-known player, you've got to be careful that you're right. If you weren't there to see it, you've got to really be sure you've got the right story. Uh, someone in chat saying Todd loves to dick around. This is more than dicking around, though. Dicking around is what I describe as going on at that table between Shun and Chow. That, that was dicking around. And I've seen the same thing sort of happen at tables I've played at. In fact, it, it kind of annoys me. I've had people pull that on me before. Like, I leave and 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 then I noticed this. I actually had that happen before myself. Like I noticed the stack is gone, and they're like, uh, like, hmm, what's wrong? Like, wh- like people are seeing if I react, and then they give it back to me. And I'm thinking, you know, what if I didn't react? Like uh, they're laughing about it, but like, like, so I can't be a total asshole about it. But like, it, it, it was getting me pissed off to where like I was about to tell everyone to stop touching my chips. Not that this happens to me all the time. I think it happened once, but like, you know, uh, this sort of thing happens at high limit games a lot. You but, ever put your, or isn't that why you're supposed to put your smaller chips on top of your stack when you yeah. leave? Well, I, I do always count my, my chips before I leave uh, in case anything happens. But, you know, you got to be careful before you accuse someone of stealing $800 off the table that you really know what you're talking about if you heard it third hand. So pretty bad on uh, Todd Brunson's part. And, and was I, he in the game by any No, case? he wasn't. That's the worst part. <laughs> he wasn't there. He's reporting a third-hand story without verifying it was true and getting the details. He's just kind of like just reporting... Uh, re- gang, he's really. re- yeah, he's reporting like a, a third-hand story with sketchy details. Like, you've got to get all the details and know you're totally right about it before you say something like that. So, pretty bad. Now, something that bothers me about uh, this sort of thing in general is that uh, I really wish the dealers would take more of an active role in policing games, but it's too much of a case of the inmates, the inmates running the asylum in these high-limit games where the dealers are afraid to say anything because the high-limit players go off on them and then, they, and then you know, if they try to complain to the floor man, the floor man kind of takes the high-limit player's side. And I've seen so many dealers get abused, and I feel so bad watching it. I never abuse dealers. Uh, but I really wish the dealers were more empowered to not enforce stupid little rules which sometimes they do, by the way, but to stop things such as players abusing one another or stopping things like people grabbing each other's stacks even as a joke and just saying, sorry, I know you're joking, but this is totally not allowed here. Um, and stuff like that. Or, slippery slope. Yeah, or even... somebody could say, well, I was just kidding, you know, we joke like this all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's exactly... Really yeah. yeah, yeah, and I've even had things which aren't as bad but still irritate me, like where I have to be the bad guy. Like, I'll have this. Um... Someone check raises the turn. There's like a limit. I call. They bet the river. I call. I've got like second pair. I'm thinking I'm probably losing. Then they say, one pair. Well, they're hoping I'm going to turn over my pair of tens or whatever, and then they can see what I have. If I can beat them, they muck it. Yeah, angle so, shooting. Yeah. yeah, so they're angle shooting to see what I have, where I don't have to see what they have. So, so, So I just sit there then. And then I, I'm expecting the dealer to say, hey, you have to show first. But no, we're just both sitting here. And so finally I had to be the jerk to say, no, no, you have to show first. And then they should like flip over pocket threes, and then I show them my pair of tens and win. Uh, but you can tell the person's like really irritated with me. They feel like I'm needling them 
feeling like if they're saying one pair that 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 is pretty much indicative that that, that it's going to lose to tens. Uh, even though technically one pair could be, beat tens, usually if someone says one pair like that, it means they have a pretty low pair. Uh, so then people kind of think I'm needling them just to try to get them to show me the losing hand. Because it is bad etiquette if you're betting the whole way, and then you show your winning hand to not let them muck it. You have a right to see their hand, but it's kind of bad form li- in live poker to do that. But when they're the aggressor, and they've been betting into me the whole way, they, they have to show first. That's the way it goes, and the reason is because when you're the aggressor, you have to show this way you don't get to hide as much information. Sure. So, so like, why do I have to be the one to tell them this? Why, why do I have to... I've actually gotten an argument with some people at the table before. I once got in a huge argument with the whole table because someone who did this to me was a pretty girl. Not any known player. I, I don't even know her name. But it was some pretty girl who did this. And uh, then she didn't want to show me what her hand was. I kept saying, show her muck, show her muck. She finally showed. Uh, she showed one card. I go, no, you got to show them both or muck. And she showed them both, and I turned over the hand to beat it, and she got so pissed, called me an asshole. And then I argued back with her, telling her why she's wrong. And then all the dudes at the table, all the desperate dudes at the table, started going off about what a jerk I am, and I, it was a bad scene. So, I mean... <laughs> what did like, you expect? You yeah. Know, pretty lady at the table. Yeah, and I'm thinking, I don't care. Like, I don't care if you're pretty. I don't care if you're a young girl. I don't give a crap. You know, it's a, I treat everybody the same. And you're, if you're going to pull moves on me at the table, fine, but then you've got to show your hand. If if I was the one betting the whole way and you just called down and I showed first, I'm not going to make you show your hand, but you check raise me and then bet and I call show. I don't sure, care how pretty a lot you of are. Value yeah, I don't information. care. Information. Yeah, yeah, I don't care how pretty you are. It doesn't matter. So anyway, uh, especially I wish a pretty girl because you might want to know what she's barreling at you with. <laughs> Right? What's her range? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I was curious. I really was curious. It turned out she had like a straight draw. She had like a pair and a straight draw, and that's why she did it, and then missed it on the, on the turn, on the river, I mean. So, so you know, uh, I wish the dealers would get more involved and made the players do less of their own policing, and then less stuff like this would happen. And uh, anyway, let me, uh, let's move to the diff- a different topic here. Uh World Series of Poker. We know a little bit more about the 2014 World Series of Poker thanks to a screw-up. They always seem to screw something up. This time it was kind of good they screwed up because we got to learn something early. But it was still a screw-up. Let me tell you what happened. Uh, I'm not sure when they were planning to announce the schedule for the 2014 World Series. But uh, either on January 31st or February 1st, so just a few days ago, they posted, it was on January 31st, they posted the 10K and higher events as the buy-ins at the address wsop.com slash 2014. Now, I don't know exactly how people found this, but of course someone did. And they're like, oh, wow. They found on that page, it said notable events, and it listed all the bigger buy-in events between May 27th, event number two, and July 7th, event number 65, the main event. So, fortunately, the person copied it. When I say fortunately, it's because when it got out that people were seeing this, because I guess people were contacting uh, media director Seth Polanski saying, you know, we didn't realize this was released, uh, they panicked and took it down. If you go to that address right now, wsop.com slash 2014, you will get forbidden access denied. Not even file not found, like just access denied. So, since someone had captured it, 
they posted it up somewhere on the internet, made the rounds, and now we all have it. So then Seth Polanski was confronted, and uh, as I said, he's the media director for World Series of Poker, and he's had his own set of controversies uh, over the years. But they asked him, was this real? Was this accurate? Is that the actual schedule? And um, they actually... uh, Got an answer out of him. Let me. They actually had a interview with him about this. Uh, let me let me show you what he said about this. It's actually pretty detailed, surprisingly detailed, of what he had to say about uh, this leak Any of information. Possibility they leaked it on purpose. Well, he he, uh, he had addressed this here too. So uh, it's slow loading up here, but this is what. Why does it take so long to load? Well, anyway, he addressed everything with uh, what occurred. You know, I should have gotten this ready beforehand. All right, the joke is ruined. I was going to play that. I couldn't play it. That's what I was going to play. YouTube didn't. Usually it's like lightning fast loading that. For some reason this time it just got stuck. So I should have had it ready beforehand. Anyway, he didn't get very detailed, but he did say, yes, this is legitimate. No, we didn't intend to release it, but yes, what you've seen is true, but we're not committing to it yet. It's possible we'll change something, but this is probably what it's going to be, what you see here. But it's uh, we haven't totally settled on it yet. But here's the things that came out. We had uh, seven interesting points that came from it. Now, again, we don't have the whole schedule, only the bigger buy-in events. Uh, we do see that event number two, by the way, starts on May 27th. I'm not sure what event number one is going to be. And uh, the main event runs from June 5th to June 7th, so that's the range of the World Series, probably May 26th through June 7th, or you know, more like June 15th or whatever, or July 15th, sorry. May 26th like through July 15th, probably the World Series this year. 65 events, but uh, here are the things we noticed. Number one, the main event now has a guaranteed first prize. Not a guarantee for the whole prize pool, but a guarantee of the first prize. And that first prize, no matter what, is going to be... One million dollars. No, 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 no. As ridiculous as it was when Dr. Evil said that about holding the world for ransom for $1 million. That's how funny it would be for a $1 million first prize at the main event. No, it's actually times 10. A $10 million guaranteed first prize being, at the very least, the second biggest prize ever awarded for the main event. It was $12 million when Jamie Gold won. Every other year has been $9 million or less. So uh, I wonder why they hadn't done this before. Because every year there's like $8 million, $9 million, and there are so many places they pay. They pay like yeah, 600 something places, 700 something places, depending on how many entrants. They can easily take money out of those places and prop up first place to 10 million and make it look a lot better. It just sounds a lot better to say 10 million dollar first prize than 9 million or 8 million. So, sure. it's now Top guaranteed heavy. 10 million. It's uh, smart for marketing perspective. And, uh, you know, people go in saying, hey, I, it doesn't matter how many entrants there are. I know if I win this, I get 10 million, 10 million bucks. So uh, that's that's something that's been done and uh, that was verified by Seth Polanski as being 
the truth. Is that a thousand times your buy-in? Your 10, 10K buy-in, yeah. is it? Yeah. <laughs> so Pretty nice. Yeah, that, that would be nice. Uh, second, this one is pretty personal to me. The Limit Hold'em big event is back up to $10,000. That's the one that I finished fifth in in 2013, and I was a stone bubble boy in 2012, finishing 19th in 2012 when they paid 18 spots. But it's back to $10,000 buy-in. Last year it was 5000 This is the history of this event. Uh, prior to 2008, you know, up through 2007 it was 5000 bucks. Then they raised it to 10000 from 2008 to 2010, and then back to 5000 from 2011 to 2013. Uh, now this is actually my strongest event now at the World Series, to be honest. That might sound funny, because there are a lot of good limit players who enter this $5,000 buy-in and now $10,000 buy-in limit hold'em event. So why would it be my strongest event when I've got to play against so many great players? It's because it still has a good share of not-so-good limit players. I've noticed this every year. And they changed the structure, thanks to Daniel Negreanu, actually, who suggested it, to where the beginning rounds are actually meaningful now. And it's very slow-moving at the beginning, and it's a structure that really favors my playstyle against weaker opponents. It wouldn't favor my playstyle if it was against all good players, but against some weaker opponents at the table, it really helps my playstyle. I'm not going to go into too much detail, uh, but uh, there's a reason the last two years in this thing that I was a stone bubble boy and then finished fifth. Some of it was good cards. I'm not going to say there was no luck involved, but... uh, some of it was not just luck. So that's the event I feel strongest in. I'm not saying I'm going to kick ass again this year. I hope I do. I hope I can beat my fifth place. But, uh, you know, i got to get good cards still, too. But I, I'm very happy with the way this event is structured. So you got to run good, too, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, you, do, you definitely do. That's why I'm saying I'm not, I'm not giving any kind of guarantees. I could easily just go in there and run bad and get smacked out early. Uh, so, my history in this event, by the way, I, I didn't cash or come close to cashing in 07, 09, or 11. Seems like every other year I struggled in that. I didn't play it in 05 or 06. In 2010, I was sick and could not play. Uh, and then in 2008, I cashed, finished 19th. In 2012, I was a stone bubble boy, again 19th, but with fewer people. And in 2013, of course, 5th place. Why did they double it, is the question. Why is it back to 10000 buy-in? If the poker economy is not as strong as it used to be, why would they be raising the buy-in? Well, of course, the answer is money. They are only making a little bit more than half the rake when they're charging $5,000 for the buy-in. So why not for the same field? They pretty much have the same field year after year, whether it's ten or 5000 They found that uh, it doesn't really affect the field. I think they lowered it in the first place to get a bigger field. They're only getting like 170 players. But they found it really not affecting it. So they're like, okay, if the same people are going to enter, if it's 5,000 or 10,000, it might as well be 10,000 so we make more rake. So that's why they're doing it. They didn't say that, but that's why they are. Also, they're going to be making this event towards the end of the World Series rather than kind of the middle end. Uh, It used to always take place between June 15th and June 21st. Now it's starting on June 26th. will be event number uh, 52 out of 65. Now this is not the only event that's being changed to $10,000 buy-in. Also, Stud, Stud 8, 
Pot Limit Hold'em. Why the hell do they still have Pot Limit Hold'em, by the way? Does anyone play that? Anywhere? Oh. I mean, do you, have uh-huh. you ever seen it spread anywhere in cash these days? Uh, no. No. no I, I wouldn't know. No, no. I, I don't either. even think online it's not. Yeah. I mean, how do they still have a bracelet event of Pot Limit Hold'em? I mean, years ago they actually had several bracelet events for Pot Limit Hold'em. Now, at least finally they're down to one, but it's just so stupid, Pot Limit Hold'em. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's kind of like a poor man's no limit, and uh, they should just get rid of it. It's just not a game. It's, it's not even like Stud, which was a, a classic game that was the main game in poker for so many years. This is just Pot Limit Hold'em was never that popular, so it, it should just be gone. It's not. It's not even a, a a game that has a niche following or anything like Deuce to Seven. This is just something that nobody's interested in. Anyway, that's 10k. Horse 10k. Omaha Eight 10k. They all went from 5k to 10k just like Limit Hold'em did. Why? For very similar reasons. Money. Same thing. They think they're going to get the same field for 10k instead of 5k, so why not make more rake? Now, a more extreme change, Raz and Limit Deuce to 7 have gone from 2500 to 10,000. So, again, this is being done for similar reasons, and uh, I I guess they figured that uh, they don't get very big fields in either of these, so... If someone's going to pony up 2500 you know, why not make them uh, pony up four times and get uh, not quite four times the rake, but several times the rake, and uh, make a lot more money on these uh, smaller field events? Uh, I do feel bad for Scotty No, who won't be able to afford his RAS tournament anymore. <laughs> okay, no, I don't. So. Uh... Number five of things I noticed. They have ditched the 25k buy-in 6 max no limit. They only got 175 people last year. It's now a $10,000 event. So this is the one they lowered from 25,000 to 10,000. Uh, I think they decided that uh, for a no limit hold'em event to be attracting 175 people is very disappointing for them. So... I think they're believing they're going to get a lot bigger field because six max no limit is a very popular game in general. Just the 25k buy-in just priced out way too many people, so they lowered it to 10,000, thinking that overall they're going to do better on the rake. They probably that's will. That's going to be a big event. Yeah, that's what I think so sure. too. I think so too. Stacked with pros, love yeah. that six max, right? Yeah, that's, that's what I think. I th- I think that uh, they believe if they get more than 2.5 times what they got last year of 175 then it's worth it, and I think they will. But we'll see. That's their experiment. Uh, Number six, the big one for one drop is back. The buy-in last year that uh, Chino allegedly stole when uh, Gilo Liberté gave it to to him. Uh, The buy-in last year was $111,111. This year, the buy-in is a very simple... One million dollars. So it's back to a million dollars like in 2012. Gila Liberté would probably put in most of the field. This is pretty much his way of giving to charity without directly giving it. Uh, let me ask you a question if you don't mind. How many of that field do you think he had? I forget exactly. Was it 40? 60? Something? Yeah, I don't know what percentage Eight, 10, he had. maybe? I mean, he had a, a large percentage. Uh, by the way, I'm getting a, a message from uh, China Maniac saying they may still have a smaller uh, Raz tournament too. So maybe Scotty knows in, in, in okay shape. But uh, 
yeah, they... But anyway, yeah, he had a large percentage of the field. Basically, it was a few businessmen who bought in themselves, like really, really rich businessmen, obviously. Yeah. And David then, Einhorn. <laughs> yeah, and then and then most of the people were people just pros who were put in by Gee. So I think it's kind of stupid. I I just think it's so stupid. If you if you're going to really have a million dollar buy in where it's a mixture of just poker pros who really like to gamble, or maybe even satellite winners who are just going to take a shot. And, and then some really rich businessmen. Then it's kind of fun to watch. But if it's just a bunch of poker pros that uh, Guy Le Liberté puts in because he likes them, and it's all his money, and they play for a small piece of themselves, so that's stupid. Then they're really not playing for a million dollars. They're just playing like a free roll. Yep. So it sounds a lot better than it really is in reality. Yeah. If that's the case, you know. Yeah, it is. And and in reality it's you know, it's not except for the businessmen putting in it, it's not really a million dollar tournament. It's just a the the whole thing is, is more hype than what it really is. So again, it's kind of a marketing thing for for Caesars for the World Series and uh to make themselves look charitable. By the way, uh something I felt was obnoxious last year and I think it's gonna continue this year, though we don't know for sure. Was the the little one for one drop the one that's uh, one thousand one hundred eleven dollars? That in addition to the hundred eleven dollars that's kept for the charity for the one drop charity, which is fine. Uh, Caesars was still keeping the standard percentage for themselves, as if it were a thousand dollar tournament, which I thought was awful. Like you know, if you're going to do it for charity, then Caesars can give the charity of their room. Like if they want to take care of the dealers for that part, fine, but uh, their own fee should have been waived. But it wasn't even reduced. Pretty obnoxious. Uh, final thing that was noticed, uh, as I said before, 65 events on the schedule, up from 62 last year. I believe that's the most events that are ever uh, have ever been on the schedule for the World Series of Poker. But we don't know about most of the events because we don't have most of them listed. The ones listed here were just, uh, I don't know, we're looking at about a quarter of the events were listed here. The rest of them will be the will be less than ten thousand dollar buy in, and I think all the five thousand buy ins are going to be gone. Don't know for sure, but I don't think there will be any five thousand dollar buy ins this year. And if there are, there'll be very think, few. Man, that's that's a stretch for a lot of people in terms of bankroll management. You know, big spread from what fifteen hundred to ten k. Yeah, it's interesting because I was thinking that this year. This like last year, I I accidentally sold too much of myself for the five thousand. And, you know, that's fine. You know, I'm glad people on Poker Fraud Alert got to share in my fortune here. I really meant to sell um, like like 45%, I think, or something like that. And I sold 55%. So I thought, okay, well, this year I'm not going to sell that much. Not because I'm trying to be greedy and, and you know and, and keep my what I think is the strongest event for myself, but uh, I'm still going to sell myself on it. But I said I, I just didn't want to be playing for 45% of myself. That was a mistake. But once I sold it, it was too late. Uh but I thought, okay, I'm going to have to shut out some people who want to buy bigger pieces this year. But now I don't think I'm going to have to because it's going to be $10,000. So people won't be buying as many shares since the shares will be double as much. Actually, I think I'm going to even raise the price per share. I actually had it at a pretty low price for whatever reason compared to the other ones last year. That was actually the best buy for sure. Not just because I, I did well, but because uh, just based upon my probability to cash or win uh, compared to the markup that was by far the best but uh, I'll definitely be selling uh, 
port at least forty percent of myself on this one, this uh, limit hold'em ten k, J- just because of the variance, you know. Uh, it's, sure. That's that's why I'm doing it because, you know, back when I played high limits all the time, uh, ten thousand dollars came and went really quickly. Uh, but now it doesn't. Now ten thousand dollars is a grind to make playing poker. You know, when I wasn't when it I, partially due because you were able to offset the variance with the online play. Yeah, that's a then? big part of it. Yes, yes, because I played every day, high limits, and uh, the buy-ins for the World Series collectively were not that much compared to what I was playing for uh, on a regular basis, both in, in number of sessions I played and the limits I was playing. Now I'm playing a lot less often. And a lot lower limits, so uh, you know. If, so that, that's it's just for variance control. That's the reason I'm selling pieces of myself. And I, I think everybody believes it. You know, I'm not struggling for money. I don't need to do this. If, if everybody just got together and said, "No, we're not buying a piece of you ever," I'd still enter the same events. Um, but uh, and I'm actually happier. Like I, I didn't actually sell myself on two plus two or anywhere else. Like I. I only did it on Poker Fraud Alert, and it's the same plan this year. Because part of the reason I also sell pieces of myself is so people on this forum and people who listen to this radio show can actually kind of feel like they're part of my action, and and we Get can all <laughs> be yeah be, be all be in it together, kind of, and uh, and and that's much better than having just randoms buy it. So. And as you've seen, people who follow me on Twitter, I, I give really, really detailed updates about everything. So you, you can almost feel like you're there from how much I, I update everything on Twitter. So uh, it'll be the same thing this upcoming year. And uh, when they release the full schedule, I will put together what is likely that I'm going to be playing. And uh, at, at least with me, you always know for sure you're going to get paid. And there's going to be no shenanigans and no T.J. Cloutier selling more than 100% of myself and, you know, and then intentionally losing or things like that. Like, you know that none of that's going to happen. You know you're going to get exactly what you pay for. And, and you know you're not going to, like, have to worry about me doing drugs the night before or anything like that. You, you know you're just going to, you know, you know what you're getting with me. So, right. uh, anyway, that, that'll be coming up in the next few months. You're already getting excited, aren't you? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I kind of have the same sort of... I have two things I want to avenge from last year. I had two things, and it's not too hard to figure out. Two things happened last year that I want to see turn out better. The first is I want to do even better in the 5,000 limit hold'em. Because I went, like, in the 2012 when I lost four straight hands to be the bubble boy. Four straight hands. I was so frustrated... I said next year I've got to do something. I got to do better on this thing. I've got to cash next year, and so I did. I came in just like I came. In, I'm like I got to cash on this. One. I got to cash on this. Like I, I wasn't trying to min cash. Like I was trying. Like I got to have a good event this time after what happened last year. And then I did. I, I finished fifth. Like it wasn't as good as winning the bracelet, but but at least overall it, it was a pretty good result. Uh, but but now I I now that I, I've done that now I want to win the thing this year. So that that's one of my goals this year is to win that that uh, ten thousand uh, dollar limit hold'em event. The other goal is to cash in that damn main event again because I've come close three years in a row. And, and, and <laughs> the every main event. <laughs> and every freaking time I have a heartbreaking end to it, one worse than the next. And you, you think you overthink it at all? I I might, but I mean you don't know how many times this year I averted busting in places that so many other people would have busted. Like I, I, I there were so many times where I I was either. Hundred percent sure, like ninety percent sure, 
that like a lot of people would have busted here and I did not. And, and not, not even like in a spot where like I would have gotten my money in good and lost. I mean like where I would have my money in bad, but a lot of people would have anyway. But but I, I correctly read the situation. Like I was so proud of myself, and then it's just boom gone because of Ace King versus Aces. So like I, I, oh boy, that was like it wasn't a bad beat, of course. That the Aces should have won there, but uh, like I, I've got a, I've three years in a row of making it between like eighty five percent and ninety percent of the field um, ahead of them, but not cashing. And this is after I finished eighty eighth the previous year. I've got to cash this year in the main event. I'm not going to try to squeak into a min cash. But I, I want to have a good main event this year. So those are, the, those are the two big things I want to do. Everything else, you know, it's just gravy. So that, that's my goals for the 2014 World Series of Poker. We'll see what I can do with it. Uh, let's uh, go to the next topic here. Uh, 10.30 already, wow. Uh, I always lose my agenda in the middle of the show. It always just kind of disappears off my screen. Here it is. Um, update on the Full Tilt Poker repayment situation. This is interesting. This is, uh, I have to give some credit to this one from uh, Haley Hintz. I, I read her article today on this situation. It was published two days ago. Haley Hintz has a good poker news website at flushdraw.net. Flushdraw.net, exactly as it sounds. And she writes a lot of good articles with a lot of good analysis. It's not just like dry poker reporting, so. She seems like a smart lady. She is a smart. Uh, lady. Having read some of her stuff, she is. She, she's a very smart lady, and you know, some people don't like her personally. Some people think she's uh, uh, bitchy or, or, or hot. <laughs> Online poker, poker world. It's full of trolls. Right? Yeah, yeah, but you know, I, I, I like Haley actually, and I, and I. I I like her both personally and and from the material she puts out and and she of course is one of the biggest researchers into the AP and UB scandal especially the AP side of it she knows more about the absolute poker scandal than anybody in the world I guarantee you except for maybe the the people who committed the crimes so uh, an article she wrote about uh, the full tilt situation now before we even get to this. Have you received even anything at all from Garden City Group recently? Me? I, oh, no. I, I don't have money on full tilt. Oh, uh, you're lucky. Have, uh... I've gotten nothing from them. This article she wrote talks about all these emails they sent out. I've gotten absolutely nothing. Like, they never send me anything. Even though I, I submitted a petition after they didn't send me anything in the first place, I'm still getting nothing. So I, I don't know what the problem is here. They just don't want to communicate with me. While others are? Have you yeah, I, others are, apparently. I, they just... Don't they just don't want to? Uh, they just don't want to pay me. So, so here's 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 what uh, is going on with them right now. Uh, first of all, they have uh, contacted 8,400 people who were identified as affiliates by Full Tilt Poker. Now, the affiliate thing was a big controversy. Because it was said that anybody who was an affiliate... At first it was said anybody who's an affiliate is not going to get paid. So if you were an affiliate of any kind... So let's say you you were a full-tilt poker player... And also had an affiliate business on the side... That you used to pay people uh, full-tilt money. Or you were, or, or you were an affiliate, affiliate for full-tilt... And also played on full-tilt. Which is the most common situation. You don't get anything, according to Garden City Group, at first. 
So there's a lot of objection raised to this, saying this is not fair. So they're saying now, as of January 31st, they, they put out a notice that uh, to 8,400 people that saying, hey, you were identified as an affiliate, but you can uh, put in a petition to get the money anyway uh, if you do so by March 2nd. And they gave instructions on how to do so. And uh, it says, please be advised that a review is still underway concerning those players who are flagged as pros. A separate notice will be sent to the pros who are deemed eligible to file a petition. So they're also the people who are full tilt red pros were also ineligible. Strangely enough, it was said current and past red pros, which is really strange. Like, why should the current ones be uh, in any kind of trouble for this? Like, why the current ones are, are working for poker stars now? It's nothing to do with what happened here. But uh, they're saying they're going to look at into this and they're going to send a notice to the people who are identified as pros of the ones that are eligible to get the money. Obviously, like, Letterer is not going to be one of them, but uh, <laughs> what ones who, who seem like they were just uh, low-level pros that were innocent in what occurred. So, at the same time, the, the 8,400 notices went out about that. Around 30,000 other Full Tilt accounts have already been approved by Garden City Group in their initial phase and uh, those people got a message that it's been approved, but they're not getting their money uh, right away. But um, what some people noticed was that um, some people were looking at what uh, Garden City Group said their balance was on full tilt. And some of them noticed that they had as much as tens of thousands of dollars less than what they had really had on full tilt on Black Friday. So where did the other money go? Uh, Apparently, if they were flagged as an affiliate, anything that appeared to be like an affiliate-related transfer just got subtracted from their balance. And the problem was, some of this was mistaken. What's even worse is some people were wrongly tagged as affiliates because if you didn't sign up to full tilt through some sort of actual affiliate, but just like emailed Full Tilt and said, hey, rather than go through a middleman, can you just give me the 27% rake back? In many cases, Full Tilt said yes, but then the way they did it is tagging you as like your own affiliate. Like an affiliate, and you're your only customer. And so now these people <laughs> are going to be uh, losing all the rake back they ever got, according to the current system. So it's a, it's a huge mess. And uh, uh, let's see. Oh, here's another interesting thing that's happening. And this was to every those 30,000 people who were already approved. Uh, they were told that uh, they will have money subtracted out of what they will be receiving if they owe any current money to the federal or state government that... Mm-hmm. They're aware of. So if you owe back taxes, even if you owe child support to the state, because what happens is, uh, let's say you're a deadbeat dad. Like, uh, we need bad guy 23 to call in, and uh, uh, (laughs) we need him to call in and give us uh, some perspective on this one here. But... uh, He's probably listening somewhere else. Yeah, so he's probably in the residential neighborhood hearing this, but if you're a deadbeat dad, and you had money on full tilt... 
what happens is if the state has been giving money to the mom, like let's say you're a deadbeat dad and the um, your mom, the mom has been on uh, welfare because you haven't been paying your part. Uh, they want the government wants their money back, and the government is going to want to come after you for what should have been the child support payments. But instead of giving it over to the mom, they actually take it for themselves, saying we wouldn't have had to pay out this welfare if you had been paying for the kid. So if there's anything like that, or if you owe back taxes, or one of many other debts to federal and state authorities. I believe it's called the judgment. Yeah, well, actually, the the word that was used for it here was the the Treasury Offset Program. If you Google Treasury Offset Program, you can read about it. Then they will subtract that from what you're going to get from Full Tilt and uh, give you the remainder. So they want to... I've had it, to be honest with you, I've had it happen. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Not for being a deadbeat dad and whatnot, like uh, student loans, hospital loans. I I have, like, uh, one of those situations, and uh, I hit a bad beat here. I got a table share of it. So then when like I filed the paper again a year and some work taxes, they garnished it all. In other words, they kept all my taxes. Wow. I had one of these, and so it's the same kind of situation. It sounds like if you have any liens on any judgments, you're not going to see. You're going to see everything minus that. Yeah. It okay. sounds like. So uh, here is uh, – so that, th- those are some interesting things here that's been going on, and uh, – That's the story with Full Tilt at the moment. They haven't contacted me at all. I think I'm going to call their useless 800 number and see if I can... Not right now, obviously, but I'm going to call them up uh, maybe tomorrow and see why they're just not contacting me. You know, an interesting part of this, too, is uh, having just been talking about the World Series of Poker, how much is it? What, 80-something million? I forget the number offhand that that they're about to give out. But my point is they're about to put that money back into the poker economy, essentially. With yeah. the World Series coming up, so yeah, it's that, fat in some people's bankrolls. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think of that, but that's true. If they, uh, if people can get this before the World Series, maybe it will increase the field a little bit. Uh, and well, I wonder if that's like uh, playing into the time frame at all. I doubt it with the government. No, I don't think so. I don't think the government's <laughs> a crap. So I'm sure, players are waiting for it though. Yeah. So, uh, WSUP.com. Uh, they have absolutely awful customer service. We, we once called up their, their phone customer service, and you know, Colonel Fabersham called up there and screwed with the guy for a while, even sang the whole song of uh, Henry VIII, and the guy sat on the phone for it. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. They're completely useless. Completely, completely, completely useless if you call customer service for the World Series of Poker.com. It's based in Antigua, and they know nothing. Absolutely nothing. I, when I say useless, I can't stress that enough. It might as well not exist. Outsourcing, huh? It, yeah, but it's even worse than typical outsourcing. I mean, this is ba- so bad they can't do anything for you ever. Uh, so, if you email their support, it's also pretty bad. Now, I noticed a few odd things with the emailing their support. Uh, the first time I emailed them, I got a message back from a woman named Denise, but it was spelled D E N I E C E. And the only Denise I'd ever seen spelled that way was Denise Williams, who sang Let's Hear It for the Boy in the 80s. And I, I thought it was a coincidence. But my next email was answered by LaToya. And then the next one 
was by Mandisa, who's another uh, more modern singer. So I, I don't know if they're all naming themselves after you know black female singers or what, but uh, I found it WSOP.com the only decent person, and he's like a higher up, at, at least at the support center, is a guy who calls himself Brandon B. Brandon B. is like the only competent employee there. Like every problem I've had, it's always eventually landed on his desk when everybody else screwed it up and he fi- he solves it for me. Like without me even asking for him. It's like when I keep complaining, no, 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 you've got it wrong. No, you're not understanding. No, you're giving me the wrong information. No, this is still screwed up. Then eventually it lands to Brandon and he solves it. Like it's always the way it goes there. So I would suggest if you email WSOP.com, support WSOP.com, just ask for Brandon B. if it's not getting anywhere. Uh, don't say I sent to because you're, <laughs> he'll probably get pissed at me that I'm overwhelming him. But he was the only competent employee of finding there. He, he needs a raise, actually. Everybody else should be fired. But th- that wasn't the main point I was going to bring up. Um, I, I had a talk with somebody I know who played a good deal on WSOP.com. Not Eric Ryland, in case you're wondering. And this person told me, uh, first of all, they had a bitch of a time depositing there. A real hard time depositing on WSOP.com. Everything was getting rejected. Uh, the funniest thing was this person attempted to deposit to WSOP.com with the total rewards visa, and it got rejected. <laughs> so the total rewards visa, which is a visa credit card put out by Caesars, even you can't even use that to deposit on there. And when he called up Capital One, who manages that credit card, he said, why did it get rejected? They said, because it's a gambling transaction. And he's like, hey, do you know what Total Rewards is? Don't you understand that is gambling? You know, I never give out the phone number tonight, and someone's calling in. I totally forgot the phone numbers tonight. Okay, call you on the air. Hey, how's it going? Hi. So, uh, who's this? This is, this is Hockey Guy. Hockey Guy, hello, and thank you for the donation tonight. Uh, yeah, you you should really read your PMs and your little notes that come with PayPal, stuff like that, because you know, it, it's really funny hearing you talk about shitty customer service Uh-oh. when when you fuck <laughs> up shit, too. Uh-oh. I know where this is going. <laughs> read. Now that you've accepted my donation and given it out tonight, I expect you to follow it exactly what I wrote. Okay, let me see. Let me see here. Up, up, oh boy. Yeah. So here's what it says. Uh, read the PM I sent you. Now, to my defense, I got this at 6:44, and and I I wasn't able to see this until like five oh, minutes yeah. before radio. So I just. No, I, 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 I just saw Hockey Guy sent it. I think I recognized your name. I'm not going to say it out loud, but uh, I recognized your name. I'm like, oh, cool, Hockey Guy sent $25. But here's what he wrote. Read the PM I sent you. Uh, here's $5 a week for the next five weeks. I hope you accept my terms and PM. I guess you could use the money any way you see fit. Ah, there you go. You gave me an out. But but I'd like to see my terms for a couple of weeks at least. Uh-oh, I, I screwed this one. All right, let me let me go. Let, i got to see your terms now. I can't believe I messed this okay. one up. All right. I, I, I think... Uh, this is something that uh, Latoya probably would have done, uh, not, not me. <laughs> I'm going to blame this on Latoya no matter what. But let me, let me see here. Let me see what the PM is. 
In my defense, I didn't have much notice on this one. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no notice at all. Uh, go to the free roll thread and confirm my demands for my donation. Don't worry, it's all in good fun. Uh, okay. I'll have to look at this later, but it, yeah, there, there's some terms here. Let me go to the, the radio thread and see what the terms are. The free the free roll thread. God, I can't believe yeah. I just. I, we'll make this right, just like WSO. Do we even, do, do we even, do we even ever go on your site or what? <laughs> Holy shit, man! Okay, let me let me see here. It's uh. <laughs> Wait, I, I don't see your I don't see your post. Where's oh, your post? It's there. Where? I don't it's see it. There. Eh, whatever. You no, no. Seriously, it. go go find it. I'm I'm looking right now on the last page of the radio, the keep track of radio free roll uh, thread, and I I uh, don't see it's any... in the it's in the radio. Thread. Oh, the radio thread itself. Okay, I'm going to go Jesus look. Jesus Christ! Well, that's not what you said in the in the. It is so. I've been drinking, but not that heavily. You said, uh, in the PM. I, I'm not going to go back to it. Let's let's go find it. Okay. So on, yeah. on the radio thread. Yeah, right under C-Money's donation. I'll donate $5 this week in the next four weeks, as long as you rename in the thread and refer to on air. Second place is the Shady J, in honor of Shady J always finishing second to me in every bet we make. Okay, so this this is what I'll do to make up for this. And then this will show uh, occasionally uh, a Jew can change his spots. Uh, I am going to... Cover the $25 myself here, as if this came from me. No, no, no. Just next week or something. No, but I've already given away your whole $25, though. Like, like you want so to, you... what? I don't care. You can use it however you want, but just just name second place of Shady J now. Okay. Okay, we'll do that. Fine. We'll make that compromise. It saves me 25 bucks too. So, yeah. uh, okay, so, so second, I thought I thought you it was a big deal to you to have $5 a week. That's why I was going to cover yeah, well, but, Okay. That, that, that doesn't matter. I just want to. Okay. Make sure that uh, no, that's no problem. Shady J gets, Shady J gets credit for because it's actually his money. Okay. Sh- Shady J will will be considered second place now. Not he will be second place, but second place will now just be called Shady J. So first place is uh, let's let's go. I'll, I'll read the amounts again. The first place is fifty dollars. Shady J is twenty five dollars. Third is fifteen dollars, and fourth is seven dollars. That's a uh, for the next. Uh, this in the next four weeks, uh, we'll refer to it that way. Are you yeah. happy with that now? I, I'm very happy with that. Okay, very very good. Thank you for the donations here, okay. and I'm yeah, I'm sorry could, for missing could, it. But you know, I, I'm going to defend myself a little bit on this one. It's 6:44. You know, that's that's a little bit on the late side to bring all this up. Oh, okay. I I didn't realize that you were so far behind and couldn't keep up with that. Well, I I just. Uh, oh. I, I had to make certain arrangements tonight. Uh, Benjamin's mother wasn't available to uh, to be with him tonight during the radio, so I had to make certain other arrangements to uh, make this happen, which is why I was starting the radio tonight at, at eight instead of seven. And uh, so at six forty-four, I was very busy. But but thank you for your money, and I will keep up to your uh, demands here. And I apologize okay. for not for not uh, doing that in the first place. Okay, I accept your apology. Okay, thank you, hockey guy. And, and, by, and, by, and by the way, Garrett, you're you're, you're sounding not too bad. Okay. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I, it's a little nerve wracking at first, you know. I had a feeling people were going to come at me, so I just shut down the chat. Thank you, though. I appreciate it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I would got too distracted oh. in the chat. Okay, thank you. Well, 
Okay, talk to you later. Thank Bye. you, hockey guy. So, um, I forgot to give out the phone numbers. I might as well just give them out now, just in case. You never know. Uh, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also text me on that same number, 775-372-8355. I have some texts already here. These are both from the same guy. At 8.26 p.m., I've got a boner again. No, No word on what gave him the boner. Uh, and then he writes, you forgot to mention Player of the Year Award, referring to uh, the Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, we, we are having a Player of the Year Award this year. The people have been donating to it, so at the end of the year, whoever has the most points, as determined by Belly Buster, will get the most, will get that money, whatever that pool of money is. So he told me I forgot to mention it, the same person, and also said that he has no more boner. Thanks a lot. Somehow it's my fault. <laughs> I think it's a great idea um, that you do that. You, you kind of give your forum members a place to play a little poker. You know? Yeah. So, uh, so sorry to hockey guy for this. And uh, so the other phone number you can call me on, of course, the Mount Charleston line. I didn't get to go visit it when I was uh, sick and injured in Las Vegas, but uh, it's still there. 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808. You can't text me on that number. Don't try. It's just an old rotary telephone. It can't take texts. You, you couldn't text anyone in the 70s, and you can't text that phone, which is an old 70s phone, sitting on top of Mount Charleston. So if you want to text me, you've got to do it to the main number, 775-372-8355, better known as 775-FRAUD55. Those are the numbers you can call. Should have given them out a long time ago, but uh, I forgot. So uh, moving on to the next subject here. Uh Oh, no, sorry, we're not done with this subject. Uh, the, so, in addition to deposit problems, where the total rewards visa doesn't even work, and just a lot of people are having a hard time getting credit cards to work because a lot of banks just don't want to process gambling transactions, legal or otherwise. Uh, Garrett, have you deposited to any of these sites? No, I'm in uh, I'm in Florida at the moment. You know, I, yeah. I can't actually play um on those sites myself, but I'm aware of people who are. Um, it's just, yeah, I haven't heard, I've, I've read it, but I haven't really heard first-hand accounts of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's her- to be expected, though. You know, banks are so tight, so it's, a, it's sort of still in its infancy, this whole... Yeah, I think um, a lot of them just want no part of it, especially if they have a bad taste in their mouths over the, all the illegal online gambling that was going on for so many years. But I'm going to give everybody a tip to avoid all these problems uh, provided this bank's in your area and that is Citibank if you really want to play either on WSOP.com or Ultimate Poker or presumably one of the other rooms uh, I'm talking about the legal US rooms right now use a Citibank debit card not a credit card but a debit card a credit card may work too but I know the debit card works and it has zero fees of any kind whatever you use on it you can just keep making unlimited deposits with it up to whatever they'll allow you to on WSOP.com or ultimatepoker.com and uh, you know, no fees beyond what you deposit and it works great and I've used it for both sites and I've noticed a lot of my other cards have failed but the Citibank card works, I just gotta make sure to have enough money in my Citibank account to keep depositing if I, if I lose and so I make sure my Citibank account has money in it but that's the one you should use. Citibank debit card. And if you don't have one, go get it. If you want to play on either of those sites. I'll tell you real quick while we're on that. Speaking of New Jersey, 
you know, it's 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 a little bit um tempting because these, there's so much like free equity out there for people in terms of like signing bonuses. Tournaments have overlay. They're doing what two hundred fifty thousand dollar free roll at wsop.com. So they're pushing this marketing uh, very heavily at first to get people interested. So the people who are there, from what I understand, are really benefiting from it. Like my friend got like what was it like a hundred percent match bonus at like three different sites and oh really yeah it's 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 fun i suppose there's a lot of uh, free money out there to be had and well uh, there is because and in, it's in, new in fact in in nevada on wsb.com in january they had a promotion about a rake race and uh because there aren't that many players on there especially if you're a limit player where hands move a lot faster it was it wasn't that hard to be one of the top 30 every week and and the top one got like thirty four hundred fifty dollars, and the second got two thousand something. And this is without that much competition. It's not like being the top ranking player on stars. So, uh, yeah, there there is a lot of promotional money out there on these various sites. Uh, now, just to finish up about WSOP.com, uh, the same person told me that after many deposit failures, they finally got a, a certain card to work. I think it was a different Capital One card or something, but they got it to work. And then after depositing $500, they got their statement, and they were charged $50 in foreign transaction fees. <laughs> so, I mean, you think, you're, you think you're playing on a domestic site, and you're, you're being charged foreign transaction fees. So, and the funny thing is, no one would take responsibility for it. Uh, his bank was insisting that these really were foreign transactions. I think they're right. And WSOP.com's idiot support kept saying, no, no, no foreign transactions here. It's got to be your bank's fault. Got to talk to them. So he couldn't get it solved. He finally just gave up and actually quit the site because of this. So avoid all this crap. I mean, can you imagine foreign transaction fees? I'm sure it's the fault of the WSOP.com <laughs> uh, on, on a domestic site. So just be very careful. Don't use a credit card. You, not only foreign transaction fees, they could also hit you for cash advance fees because you're technically buying cash depending upon the way it's coded. Just stay away from all that crap. Use a debit card, and uh, Citibank's the best one. I'm, I'm telling you from experience. Uh, let me get to the uh, the next topic here. Now that we're past uh, WSOP.com. Uh, oh, I'm going to give you an opinion, actually. I'm not quite done with WSOP.com. This is more of a general opinion, and you can tell me what you think of this. I was looking at the VIP programs for the legalized U.S. poker rooms. And these VIP programs, it's a fancy way of saying rake back. And if you ever played on Poker Stars, you know how these VIP programs work. You start off at some bottom level, which earns very little to no rake back. And you move up tiers as you play a lot. Uh, like on Poker Stars, it was like you start out as bronze, then silver, then gold, then this, then that. And eventually, the highest level was uh, Supernova Elite. Uh, so, Ultimate Poker, which launched first as far as the legalized rooms, they had a lot of former Poker Stars employees there. They had that Scotty guy from Support. They had uh, Terrence Chan, who used to work there. So these guys said, let's model ourselves after poker stars. They seem to be the smartest site. They seem to be the ones most on the ball. They they had a good VIP program that everyone liked. Uh, we're going to model ourselves after them. You know, they've already established a pretty good VIP program. We'll, we'll just pretty much copy it. So that's what they did. And the model of all these VIP programs is 
you start off in some bottom tier, you work your way up, and they're kind of monthly programs to where whatever you work yourself up to, you have that level for the current month and the next month, but then you lose it if you don't maintain it the month after. So let's say in January, you get up to, uh, you know, the, 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 I don't know, the fourth highest level there is. Then in February, uh, you don't play that much. Well, in March, you lose your status and you go back down to whatever you earned in February. So throughout February, you'll, you'll have that, that higher status because you earned it in January. But if you don't maintain it in February, you're, once March 1st comes, you're going to go back down to whatever you earned in February. So it kind of forces you to be a regular player and not really take time off. It's, it's kind of a way to pressure you into regularly playing. And, uh, uh-oh, looks like we lost Garrett. Let's see if I can put him back on here. I thought it got kind of quiet here. So that was the that's the general model, and then there are the very top level, sometimes the top two levels. I don't know where Garrett went. Looks like we lost him. He can call me back when he finds himself again. Anyway, the very top level, or the top two levels, are what they call yearly levels, which once you've achieved them by a shitload of play... Like on Poker Stars, it was Supernova and Supernova Elite. Once you've achieved that much play for the year, then you have what's called the yearly level, where you don't lose your status until the next year. So, that was what they copied for Ultimate Poker, and that's what WSOP.com also copied. Uh, I'll give you more specifics here, very quickly. The w, let's just take WSOP.com for an example But uh, Ultimate Poker is very similar um, WSOP.com They have Six levels Silver, Gold, Platinum, Diamond, Elite, and Seven Stars And uh, The two that are yearly are Elite and Seven Stars That once you get to those you, you have them for the rest of the year The other four you only have for the current month and the next month, and then you go back down if you don't maintain it. And you actually start off at nothing. It goes from nothing to silver to gold to platinum. To, so there's actually technically seven, because nothing is really the first one. It just doesn't have a name, because you don't earn anything. So uh, once you earn 200 action points, APPs, and uh, that's basically $100 of rake contributed. Because you get uh, two APPs for a dollar in rake paid. So once you've raked $100, you become silver. Once you've raked $200, you're being gold. Once you rake $600, you become platinum. Once you've raked uh, $1,750, you become diamond. Once you rake $25,000, you become elite. That's for the year. And once you rake $200,000, good luck with that, you become seven stars. Um... you can match your Caesar status. This is only at uh, WSOP.com. There's no equivalent on Ultimate Poker. You can actually match your Caesar's card status to jump up to the level immediately without having to play. So, like, since I'm a Caesar 7 stars, I was able to get the 7 stars level on WSOP.com, which is actually very valuable. 
Uh, otherwise, you have to earn your way to it, and it's almost impossible to do, to, to rake $200,000 in one year. I mean, you really have to be playing a shitload to do that. Uh, now, what do you get for these tiers? What's, what's, what is a seven stars on WSOP.com? Well, you make more money. You make more rake back from being a, uh, a seven stars. So let me give you an example for WSOP.com. There's a reason I'm getting into all this, because I have an opinion about all this, why this is all wrong. If, if you are not any level on WSOP.com, you're making no rake back. For every dollar you pay in rake, they keep all of it. Once you're a silver, once you've raked 100 bucks, um, basically what they're doing is uh, they're multiplying your... Uh, your WSOP points by four times, which is uh, essentially how much did I have to do the math, but it's uh, I think it's around seven percent rake back. So it's seven percent. Sorry, it's eight percent rake back. So you start off with eight percent rake back once you get to silver, rake a hundred bucks. Once you get to gold, then you go up to ten percent rake back. Once you get to platinum. You go up to 12% rake back Once you go to diamond You go up to 15% rake back But of course you'll lose these statuses If you don't maintain them every month Once you get to elite Once you've raked $25,000 for the year Then you get 20% rake back And if you're lucky enough to get the 7 stars Probably just from being a 7 stars card holder Then you get 30% rake back That's what I've been getting So it's a pretty big difference 30% rake back versus uh, the bottom tier Which is 8% Or even the Third highest, which is only 15%, which is only half as much. So what's the problem with all this? Why, why am I bringing all this up? The problem here is that it punishes people who are not full-time residents of either Nevada or New Jersey. It punishes people who are coming in either just on vacation and want to sometimes play, or... People who have uh, part-time residencies in these states. Maybe you come to New Jersey for a month or two and then go back home for a few months. Then come back for another month or two. Whatever. They are promoting these sites as supposedly being tourist-friendly. Visitor-friendly. You don't have to be a resident of New Jersey or a resident of Nevada. You just have to physically be there. If you go to a Caesars property, you will see all these promotions all over. Not promotions, but all these, uh, a lot of uh, marketing all over to get you to play on WSOP.com. Even the Do Not Disturb sign says, uh, Do Not Disturb, getting action at WSOP.com, something like that. They're really pushing that for people staying at the hotel who are obviously not permanent residents there. The problem is that unlike Poker Stars, where you could open this up anytime you felt like it, no matter where you were, this is of course prior to Black Friday, and play on there. So it was all totally under your control when and how much you play. On these two on these sites, it's not in New Jersey and Nevada, unless you live there. If you don't live there, then it's not under your control how much you play. If you can't physically be in those states during certain months, then you lose your status. And this is very demoralizing for these part-time players who may go there for a few weeks, a few months, and then go back for a while 
and to come back and find their statuses back to zero or back to the bottom rung. And I don't think they thought of this when they duplicated the programs that were put in place by PokerStars. This is definitely emulating PokerStars. There's, there's no other thing that could possibly be emulating. These don't emulate at all like Caesar's own internal uh, total rewards program. It has nothing other than the name Silver, Gold, Platinum, Diamond, Seven Stars. Other than that, it's nothing like that program. Like at uh, at Caesar's, these statuses are for the whole year. Uh, you start out at gold, and if you earn platinum, you've got platinum for the rest of the year. If you earn diamond, you've got diamond for the rest of the year. But but here, unless you get elite or seven star, you don't have it for the rest of the year. And ultimate poker is the same way with their rewards program. So all this is doing is frustrating the part timers who earn a status and then lose it because they're not there to play. So they need to change this. And all of these sites have disappointing numbers so far. New Jersey's doing better than Nevada just because it's a bigger state. But all of these sites are very disappointed with their numbers. And I'll get to Steve Wynn's reaction to this because it plays into the way he's been feeling about online poker and online gaming in general. But they're all disappointed with their numbers and, and this has got to be, I wouldn't say it's a large part of it, but they've got to be careful to not be hostile to the part-time players and the visiting players to not give too many perks to the people who have the advantage of residency who can play all the time. I'm not saying don't give perks to people who earn a lot of points or who are your regular customers, but I'm saying don't punish people for taking two-month breaks because they can't help it if they are physically not there. If you live in California, you can't help it that you take a a break for a while from WSOP.com in Nevada because you're physically not in Nevada. They have to be understanding about this situation, and they should not punish you for it. So, we'll see if they can adjust. But so far, the leadership in all of these sites has not been very good. Support on Ultimate Poker, for example, is better than support at WSOP.com, but they've made their own boneheaded mistakes, and they're doing a lot of other things that are making me scratch my head. So that's my little uh, editorial here on how I feel about these sites. Got a PM just now in the chat from uh, Aaron Mykunt. Aaron Mykunt says the following. Regarding the VIP programs for the New Jersey and Nevada online poker sites, do you think there is some form of poker's rakeback version of price fixing? Why would the rakeback percentages be so low, and why wouldn't the opposing site increase their rake back when they see how little the other is offering unless they both made a collective decision to leave their rake back numbers equally low. Having for 99% of people only to be able to achieve 15% rake back is a joke. Well, I mean, this kind of plays into what I was just talking about, that they just copied poker stars pretty much and uh, didn't think much about it. Uh, Now, do I believe there's any kind of price fixing? I don't think there's any kind of active price fixing, but I think it's more of copycatting. Uh, much like you will see gas stations across the street from one another with the same price often. It's in, this usually isn't price fixing. It's more just that one station realizes that the other 
If it undercuts them, no one's going to want to go to their station, so they've got to stay at the same price, even if they're not directly agreeing to price fix. Uh, When I went to UC Santa Barbara for college, there were two markets right next to each other called Dave's Market and Isla Vista Market, and they price fixed in a similar way. Where they weren't, uh, I don't believe they were actively price fixing, but they, they weren't undercutting each other, and they're both kind of expensive because they're the only two markets in town. Uh, but yeah, uh, for the fact, the, he is right that most of the people on the site at most are getting 15% rake back. So I think they're doing that to be that that's what they figure that's all they have to do. They figure. There really isn't anybody who is, uh, nobody else is offering more, so if we just match the other program, we're fine. But that actually brings up a good point. And I actually had a talk via PM on 2 Plus 2 with Scotty, who does a lot of the customer support at uh, Ultimate Poker. And I was saying to Scotty, look, this is a ghost town over here. On Ultimate Poker in Nevada I know you're doing a little bit better in New Jersey But uh, you're still being beaten out over there But it's a total ghost town in uh, Nevada The site's been a big failure If you want to beat WSOP.com You've got to be better And I know you have better support But you've got to have a better experience And that means Stepping up to change your VIP program to where it's better Changing your promotions to where they're better Because if WSOP.com has Better or equal promotions to you No one's going to play on Ultimate Poker If WSOP.com's got the action You can't be the same As the competition As Avis said a long time ago In their ad campaign Very long time ago, I think in the 70s When you're number two, you try harder You have to try harder when you're number two And Ultimate Poker In Nevada is number two And they're not trying harder you have to offer something that the other business doesn't offer. I, I'm not sure why they're not doing it. I don't think it's active price fixing. I just think they're kind of out to lunch. But it, like, if I was in charge at Ultimate Poker, I would be... I'd say, screw it. I, I would say, look, I, yes, it can be a slippery slope when you raise your VIP program and you're afraid that your competition will then raise theirs and you're all going to screw each other where your profit margins are so low where you both fail. But as Aaron Mykunt brought up, right now most people are getting 15% rake back or less, and that's not very high. They can definitely do better there. Especially because the rake is pretty high to begin with because it's pretty cheap to run these sites. Not as cheap as, as it was offshore, but still pretty cheap. So they could afford to give a lot more back in rake. So if I were Ultimate Poker, I would definitely give a lot more promotions. Definitely give a lot more rake back Definitely make it worth people's while To play there instead of WSOP.com And if WSOP.com Keeps raising their stuff To match it, fine But at least try, at least try to Provide more value For the players to get them over there Otherwise they're just going to wither and die But they're just not understanding that for whatever reason Um when I offered to work for them, and as I said, I, it didn't end up happening, but I, you know, it was, we had some serious discussions. But I, I told them, I know what the players want. I understand your challenges from a technical standpoint because I, I was a programmer. I understand 
what the players want from a gaming standpoint, from a customer service standpoint, from a promotion standpoint. I know what everybody wants. I know what everyone's looking to see. I know the experience that they want to have because I was one of the players for all these years, for 13 years, super actively. So I I just couldn't understand um, why they were making some of the mistakes they were. But, you know, it didn't happen. Uh, Personally, you know, if, if I were running a site like this, I would totally hire someone like me. You need to have someone there who really has a mind for what the community wants. Otherwise, it's just not going to work out. And, and you know, if you're the biggest game in town and you're going to get the players anyway, fine. Like you know, like party poker in New Jersey. But if you're one of the smaller ones, you've got to do something special. I don't know where Garrett went, by the way. He's kind of vanished. It's weird. Aaron Mykunt also said just now in PM, just to add to that, uh, uh, don't you think if PokerStars got their license, they would have their normal rakeback percentage at the rest of the world site, meaning top level is 63%? No, I don't think so. You never know, but I, it's a totally different ballgame over there. Totally different situation. I, I don't think they would have necessarily done it the same way. But who knows? Maybe they would have. I, I don't think they would have if they didn't have to, but who knows? Uh, PokerStars was under a lot of competition for rakeback from the other sites. That's why they had to do it. PokerStars originally had no rakeback when I started playing there. No form of VIP, no form of rakeback when I played in 2003. So a lot of it is dictated by the market. Coming near the end of the agenda here. Talk about Greg Raymer needing a steak. (laughs) That's this weird... Uh, Greg Raymer uh, Things are just really going downhill for him Greg Raymer used to be someone that A lot of people envied and respected There was a lot of good to be said about Greg Raymer uh, Let me get to the story about him This is a little bit of an old story But it was after our last broadcast Since I haven't been on in a few weeks uh, Greg Raymer, of course, the winner of the 2004 main event, winning uh, $5 million, I believe. The one who beat David Williams. Uh, he's the one who won a year after Moneymaker won. Greg Raymer, in addition to winning that $5 million prize, uh, was a face of poker stars for quite some time. Known as the Fossil Man because of the little fossil he uses as a uh, card protector. He was not a degenerate, or at least not known to be one. He seemed like a respectable guy, married guy. Uh, you know, he wasn't flashy or good-looking by any means. Wasn't young. You know, he wasn't a guy you, you look up to from the standpoint of uh, being young and good-looking and, uh, and slick. But he seemed honest. He seemed intelligent. He seemed respectable. He was the respectable face of poker. The non-degenerate face of poker. He even... Uh, got involved with a PPA in the, in the fight to legalize online poker. So, everyone looked up to Greg Raymer. Everyone respected Greg Raymer. The first erosion of his respect occurred when he had that prostitution bust. At first it was reported erroneously that he was 
soliciting male prostitutes, but no, it turns out Greg Raymer's not gay. Uh, it was female prostitutes. But it was still prostitutes, and he's still married. Now, uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's better than scamming people. Uh, it, it wasn't very honest with his wife, and unless his wife knew about it, but... Uh, it was the first sign that Greg Raymer wasn't totally Mr. Clean and Mr. Respectable. That he's going and uh, meeting prostitutes in motels that he's meeting off Craigslist. But people are saying, alright, you know, who knows what the, the current state of Greg Raymer's sex life and his marriage is. Maybe his wife doesn't want to have sex anymore. Maybe he's the only way he can get it, so he's paying for it. You know, should we really care? Does it really matter? You know, it didn't bother me to read the story. That's his own business. It's a business between him and his wife. I'm not going to you know, judge him for the prostitution situation But uh, It was the first sign that he wasn't quite The clean guy he appeared to be Also He left Poker Stars a while back Under weird circumstances It just kind of happened very abruptly It was over some kind of contract Negotiation failure It just seemed really strange when he left uh, Now you have to understand when someone wins $5 million in a year, they lose a lot of it to taxes immediately. And it has been almost 10 years since the 2004 World Series. By the way, bad guy, I see you're trying to call in. I'll, I'll try to get you in on the end of the show here. Uh, you can go through money quickly if you're not careful. Especially if you're not winning anything all that significant since then. Now, I'm not saying he's lost everything. Uh, He has had some decent years here and there, but no no huge years. That was really his only huge score. And he's not a cash player very much, as far as I know. If he was, he wasn't that much of a cash winner, as far as I know. It's just, yeah, that was pretty much, his income was really that big score plus whatever poker stars was paying him and much of what they were paying him was just uh, buy-ins to various events they you know rather than just direct cash uh, he was getting a good deal from poker stars for a while he's getting a lot of money from them i can't tell you how much but a lot i, I even heard as much as 1 million a year it's uh, during the peaks actually i can't say him i heard money maker was getting that maybe he was getting a little bit less but he was getting a lot but still it's easy to lose that money Either playing way too many big buy-in tournaments I mean that stuff adds up really really quickly Especially over 10 years Uh, Playing cash games that you're Not the favorite in That are high stakes Uh, Other gambling problems Spending problems That that kills a lot of uh, poker players Just overspending Leaks involving other forms of gambling where your negative expectation. So maybe Greg Raymer had these. I don't know. I, I don't know what happened to his money. But something happened to his money. I can tell you that. I don't know for sure. I'm not uh I'm not Greg Raymer's accountant. I've never seen his bank account, but I can tell you that something happened to Greg Raymer's money. Highly likely. Can't not hundred percent sure, but highly likely. Here's what Greg Raymer wants. Greg Raymer wants people to stake him collectively $100,000 as a bankroll to play a quote variety of tournaments and cash games around the US and globally and 
you have to buy in at $1,000 per share. He's selling 100 shares. You buy in $1,000 per share for 1%. But then you only get 60% of any winnings. And you lose, of course, everything if he loses it all. So you're only getting 60% of whatever he wins, and you'll take 100% of the losses if he ends up losing. So Raymer, at the same time, cannot lose. Raymer is putting up zero of his own money. So just a quick example. Uh, if he sells out his $100,000 stake, he puts up zero. Everybody else puts up 100000 If during the stake he wins another $100,000... Then he will pay everybody out 60000 And he'll keep 40000 for himself If he breaks even Then he pays nobody anything And just holds on to the money and keeps playing I guess Or just refunds their money If he loses the 100000 Then they're out completely their 100000 So the main thing is here Greg Raymer it wants to free roll He wants a full stake Where he's not risking a penny of his own money So he can play tournaments And cash games now, I hate cash game stakes other than ones online that can be easily tracked because you never know how much the person is really winning. And it takes a very, very, very honest man to not shave off some of their wins and put it in their own pocket. It takes a very, very honest man, especially... A man who may not have very much money If you if you have a whole lot of money It's a lot easier to be honest In these types of situations But then you don't need this type of stake But if you're struggling for money And you have a good winning session And you know that uh, you're only entitled To keep uh, 40% of it as According to the stake rules uh, Maybe you only report You won half of what you really did And keep the other half And then you also keep 40% of the half you do report so you end up keeping, uh, in that case, 70% instead of 40%. So uh, I'm not saying Greg Raymer's going to do that, but I'm saying I've never liked cash game stakes. I think they're just, it's just too much temptation for the person to cheat you, and there's no way to tell if they did. Now, tournaments are different. Tournaments, you can always see how the person does, unless they do something really shady, like uh, sell more than 100% of themselves. But uh, uh, at least tournaments, uh, provided you can see the person really entered and didn't sell more than 100% of themselves Which I don't think Gray Raymer would do There at least you can really see what you're getting for your money But back to why is Greg Raymer doing this Now he gave a justification First of all he claims he has a 21 year track record of winning results I don't believe that do you believe Greg Raymer has won for 21 years? I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean he's up overall in poker over 21 years? It's pretty hard not to be if you won $5 million at the main event. I don't believe he's won every single one of the 21 years. And if he doesn't, what does that mean, a 21-year track record of winning results? Uh, then he said the reason he did this was to create a more financial peace of mind for his family after his sponsorship with Poker Stars ended in 2011. He said, Since I no longer receive a guaranteed source of income, my wife has become more and more nervous about me playing poker. Without a paycheck to immediately recoup any losses, she gets anxious. And then he said that, uh, Even though this move is costing me EV, it's making up for the fact because it's providing marriage EV. (laughs) 
first first of all, if you want to have marriage EV, how about don't go to hookers? <laughs> don't meet hookers off Craigslist and then get busted doing so. That that's the greatest marriage EV. It's not cheat on your wife. But okay, it's already been done. People might say, okay, well, he already got caught cheating on his wife. Maybe his wife is like really close to leaving him and she's saying no more poker. Well, why would his wife say no more poker? He says he's been playing for 21 years. I don't know how long he's been married, but probably a pretty damn long time. Uh, If he's been winning in poker every year, why would his wife ever say, don't play? She'd be an idiot. It's it's not like a guy who just starts to play, has a good first few months, and and tries to convince his wife that he wants to keep playing poker. Like, I could see a wife being nervous then, saying, hey, you just had a lucky streak, but uh, this isn't going to continue. You're going to lose it all back. I want you to stop. That I could see. But a wife who's been around forever and who's watched him year after year after year supposedly winning, why would she ever say, no, don't play anymore? You've won for 21 straight years, but I have a bad feeling about year number 22. She would never say that. She, wives don't hate money. If you've got a husband who's just printing money at the poker tables, you don't tell him to quit playing and be staked by somebody else and only get 40% of your winnings. No wife would do that after all these years. So that's a BS story. Now, I don't think it's a complete BS story. I think there is a possibility, a good possibility, that his wife had something to do with this, but not quite in the way he portrays. Uh, I think that Greg Raymer is struggling financially now. Why? I don't know. But uh, I think that uh, Greg Raymer is down to whatever his wife doesn't want him to lose further. That she had a certain threshold of, okay, you can run bad up to this point, but once you're below this point, it's going to start to threaten our house and whatever else, and, and we can't have that. So once you lose this much, you're done. No more poker for you if you can't turn it around by such and such point. So I think that point has been reached. I don't think he's flat broke, but I think he's, he's he might be cash broke. I think he might be down to little enough to where his wife is very uncomfortable for him to continue playing. So at that point, he has two choices. Either quit poker entirely, or have others put him in the game to where he's risking none of his own money. Obviously, his wife wouldn't have a problem with that if he's not. Uh, there's no way he can lose. I also think it's possible that she was on the verge of divorcing him after the whole hooker situation, and uh, and there she even has more pull in uh, demanding this at this point. You might say, well, why does he care? If he's already cheating on his wife, you know, and she's trying to stop him from playing poker, why doesn't he just say, F you, go ahead and divorce me? Well, let's say this is the situation. I'm just making all this up. I'm not saying that any of this is true. These are just theories of mine. Uh, Let's say they own a house together. Let's say they don't have very much cash. What happens if they have a divorce? Well, you can't split the house in half and go drag half of it uh, somewhere else, you have to sell it. That's what you have to do when uh, the cu- the couple's assets are locked up in the house. You have to sell the house. The only way you don't sell the house is if one person has enough cash to give to the other one to buy them out. If you can't buy each other out, which I think they probably can't at this point, then when there's a divorce, you have to sell the house, and if he likes his house, if he doesn't want to move, then uh, his only option is to stay with her 
and, and pretty much do what she says. And the only reason she would be telling him this is if he's been losing. There's no other logical explanation. So he's got to be low enough on funds to where his wife is uncomfortable with any further poker play with their money. There's no way she'd be coming down on him like this if he were really a consistent winner. Now, he'll probably get plenty of people buying these pieces. Uh, Greg Raymer is a huge name. You know, imagine just you're the casual poker fan and you get to say, hey, you know, I own 10% of Greg Raymer. He's, he's playing 10% on my money. I've got a world champion playing for me. He, uh, he won in 04. He made it to the top final 20 in 05 or whatever the hell he did. I've got the Fossil Man. I'm backing him. That's a hell of a lot uh, more impressive sounding than you know backing just some random online. But the truth is, I don't think it's that good of a deal. I think it's a lousy deal, in fact. That, you know, Getting 60% of a guy who apparently has been losing, especially since it's not tournaments. It is tournaments, but it's not just tournaments. It's cash, too. So you have to trust that he's not going to screw you in any way with the cash games, and who knows what his game selection will be? Who knows if he's a favorite in these games? He's probably not in these cash games. So I'd stay far, far away from that golden opportunity. So, so someone saying that uh, he could sue me for libel. I, yeah, he's not going to sue me for libel. These are these are all just guesses and theories. I've said that the whole time. And uh, you know, he's a celebrity. I I can. I have every right to talk about him this way, and I, I will once again say that uh, these are all just guesses on my part. None of these statements of mine are statements of fact about Greg Raymer, but just uh, theories based upon common sense, given the situation. So, uh, talk about uh, Steve Wynn as our last major topic for tonight. Not the last topic, but the last major topic. Uh, a lot of people up in arms over something happening with Steve Wynn that uh, seems to be very contradictory and hypocritical. Uh, again, a good article on this from uh, FlushDraw.net, Haley Hintz's site. Steve Wynn, uh, this is reported in uh, John Ralston's uh, Ralston Reports blog. Uh, Steve Wynn said that he's going to join fellow casino mogul Sheldon Adelson in his uh, newly pledged war against online gambling. Uh, Now, Ralston has been on Adelson's side for quite some time, so he was happy to hear that Steve Wynn has uh, changed his viewpoint on this stuff. But uh, anyway, this is what uh, Ralston wrote. He said, when I reached Wynn to try to confirm what Adelson had told me, that is that uh, Wynn has switched his stance to be against online gambling, uh, he was quite passionate about what he now sees are the pitfalls of of web gaming, this is Wynn, including the government's, quote, insatiable appetite for revenue that would probably make it problematic as well as the potential for an industry blackening moment if an underage scandal were to occur. Wynn said, this is not a good entrepreneurial opportunity. He says, where is the business opportunity? The big problem I see is I don't see the government letting us keep the money. Well, people are very angry about this. Uh, Here's Steve Wynn 
was actually trying to make a poker, uh, partnership with Poker Stars in 2011 prior to Black Friday. Uh, here, Wynn had plans in both Nevada and New Jersey to get licensing and regulatory approval in the new market by uh, leasing space from Caesars to run a Win branded poker site. Uh, they already had one that was going to be on the uh, 888's uh, All-American Poker Network that I talked about on the last uh, show. But, uh, first of all, uh, reports are that now Win is, is kind of uh, backing out of all this, that they don't... Uh, that they're not uh, going to go forward at the moment with their online poker sites. Because of uh, Wynn changing his mind on this That he's kind of holding back now On actually putting up these online gaming sites Of of the Wynn But even so Even if he decides not to go through With putting up his online gaming sites uh, When he was so close to doing it And when he was trying to make partnerships With uh, poker stars How could he come out and say these things How could he be joining Sheldon Adelson To try to prevent Online gaming how could Steve Wynn be doing this? Well, I hate to say it, but Steve Wynn actually has some points here. Now, unlike Sheldon Adelson, Steve Wynn is not attacking online gaming from a moral standpoint. He's not saying it's evil. He's not saying it's bad for America. He's not saying it hurts people. No. He's saying it's bad for the industry. He's saying that He thinks the government is going to tax it so heavily that the casinos are hardly going to make any money. I hate to say it, but he has a point. I'm not saying he should go all anti-online gaming here, but he kind of has a point. Uh, He says this is not a good entrepreneurial opportunity. Where is the big business opportunity? Where is it? It's a good point. These sites aren't doing well. They're not making very much money. Even in New Jersey which is a much bigger state population-wise than Nevada, they're just not doing very well. I have to imagine in Nevada they're probably losing money because, uh, you know, they have to staff these sites. There's a lot of uh, a lot of expense in running these sites, these regulated sites, and, and they're such ghost towns in Nevada, I think they're probably losing money there. And in, in New Jersey, it's probably making money, but not very much. And he's saying, look, we're not making very much money. He's not saying this directly, but I think this is what he's trying to get at. We're not making very much money. I don't think it will make very much money, and yet I think we're going to get taxed so badly on this that the government's going to keep most of what we do make, and if somehow there's some kind of scandal where a lot of uh, underage players get on here using their parents' IDs or whatever, it'll make the casino industry look so bad that people are going to start boycotting us and stop gambling. So the downside, the risk is much greater than the reward is what he's trying to say. He's saying it's just not very smart from a business standpoint to offer online gaming because the downsides of it, the potential pitfalls, the problems that can occur from it are much greater than whatever money we're going to make from it. So screw it. I, I don't like it anymore. I think, I think it's bad for our business. He might be right. Especially because he thinks the government is, is overtaxing them. Now, some people think that what he's really doing here is trying to apply pressure in a way to 
get taxes lowered on whatever revenue they make from online gaming. This is his way of kind of uh, putting pressure onto this occurring, rather than just accepting whatever uh, the tax rates are going to be. Uh, th- this way, there's uh, some pressure put upon them that he's refusing to partake in this stuff, and, and in fact is against it because he thinks the government's just keeping too much, and is hoping that others in the industry will join him and say, "You guys have to lower the taxes if you want us to play ball with this." You know, your your taxes are too high on us here. So, some people think that's the reason he's doing it, but. This is different than Sheldon Adelson, who I believe is honestly just morally against online poker. Steve Wynn is coming out and saying, look, it just doesn't make sense from a monetary standpoint. And you can't tell a businessman how he has to invest his money. If Steve Wynn thinks that this is too much of a risk with too little reward, that's his right. And you say, okay, well, shouldn't Wynn just keep his mouth shut and just not participate in it and let the other companies do it? Well, he's afraid that if the other companies do it, and then there's a big underage gaming scandal, that it'll hurt the whole industry where people will just, like, have a backlash against casinos in general. Wait, I, I don't agree with that. I don't think there would be such a backlash to casinos in general if a few teenagers are caught gambling online. I mean, there's, there's not going to be that bad of a scandal with this. No one's going to be that outraged to hear that a 15-year-old stole his parents' ID. I mean, they'll be more pissed at the parents than the uh, the online sites, and even the few that are against the online sites are not likely to be big gambling customers anyway. So I, I don't believe there's going to be a big industry blackening moment, as he said. But it's his right to feel that way, and, you know, I, I can understand why he thinks there's not that much to gain from it, because so far there isn't. So far it looks like a waste of time for them. I think if they could penetrate markets like California, not penetrate, but uh, be allowed to operate in markets like California or New York or Texas, I I think big states like that could be very profitable. But it's going to take either a cooperation of states or large states or federal to to make this worthwhile. Otherwise, they're just not making very much money from it. It's just going to be a a tiny fraction of the revenue for these companies. It's just not going to be worth it. Especially for large corporations. Maybe for little, like, Indian casinos is worth it, but not, not for Caesars, not for Wynn. So I kind of see the guy's point. I hate to say it. I, I definitely don't want Win against online gaming because it's going to make it a lot longer of a process to ever have this legalized again. In fact, as Haley Hintz points out in her article, uh, this might shift the American Gaming Association which is uh, a group of casino operators basically to it may switch the American Gaming Association from being pro-online gaming to anti-online gaming again. They switched to pro-online gaming recently because everyone was for it except for Sheldon Adelson but if Wynn joins Adelson there's going to be too much opposition. And then the AGA is going to say, oh, you know what, uh, screw it. We're, we're going to change our policy again. We're going, to, we're going to be anti-online gaming. I can easily see that happening, as Haley Hintz pointed out. So, we'll see how it goes. I definitely don't want to see Steve win against us. But uh, 
You have to admit, online gaming hasn't exactly been a wild success, and that's why I, it, it pains me so much to see all these stupid customer service mistakes and all these stupid policies and just the general ball-dropping on the part of the existing site. They're just not doing a good job. They're just not doing the job they should be doing. And if this doesn't get off to a good enough start, you're going to have people like Steve Wynn saying, this is all a waste of time. We're not going to make enough money. This is a failure. Screw it. It's not worth the trouble. So that's why it's important for these sites to succeed. And I said that from the start. Before any of these sites went up, I said, they need to succeed if we want to see a quick path to legalized online poker. Otherwise, if they don't succeed, it's going to be seen the whole thing as a failure and not worth anyone's time or trouble. Because there's a lot of trouble involved in getting these legalized and regulated and getting other states on board. There's a lot of trouble and a lot of risk they're taking. And they don't want to take those risks if it looks like they're barely going to make any money. So it really disappoints me to see how these legalized sites have been operating. All right. Uh, a few quick topics, then we're going to shut this down. Peter Falcone, the big scammer. I'm not going to go into his story. You can Google it if you want. But he unfortunately touched our community, not on this site, but on a previous site. A lot of the people on this site dealt with him, myself included. Uh, Peter Falcone resurfaced. Uh, just to give you a quick recap, I met Peter Falcone through no one involved in gambling. Believe it or not, I met him through Ken Scaler's friend Stephanie. Stephanie met him because she needed a ride to Las Vegas. No, she needed a ride. She was going to drive to Las Vegas by herself and hates like the long, boring drive on her own, so she put a, an ad on Craigslist. Uh, I'm a girl driving to Las Vegas alone. Uh, would anybody like to join me and keep me company? Not a very smart ad for a girl to place, but you know that's Stephanie. So Peter Falcone responded, and I guess he was the perfect guy to respond because, uh, number one, he's like asexual, so he didn't put any moves on her. And number two... Uh, he was so generous in taking her out to dinner and just yeah, seemed like the nicest guy. Turned out he was a scammer, but you know she didn't have any money to scam, so uh, I wasn't exactly sure what she he wanted out of her. Uh, she did inherit a condo. I thought maybe that was what he was targeting. I, I never figured it out. But anyway, after he had known her a little while, uh, just coincidentally it happened that she knew someone who was a somewhat known poker player, and that was me. So she mentioned me to him, and he got all excited, probably he saw a big scam opportunity. Uh, she called me up and just had me talk to him, and I thought I was just talking to some poker fanboy, and he just wanted, he was just lapping up every story I could tell him about poker. He wanted to hear every little detail of when I won my bracelet, just like, he wanted to hear like way too many personal stories of mine having to do with poker, like to where I found anyone else would, would probably think they were boring, but, but he wanted to hear them all and was so excited. But I'm thinking, okay, this is just some guy who's a big fan of poker, and thinks it's a thrill to talk to a guy who's like a pro poker player. Okay, fine, whatever. Uh, it turned out he was a scammer. It turned out that uh, he, he realized I wasn't uh, an easy mark and I wouldn't be a good person to scam, but I would be a good one to befriend so he could name drop me uh, and to legitimize himself. And he did that somewhat. Uh, he, I even found out later that he was name dropping me when he was in a halfway house for his gambling addiction bragging that he was a close I was a close friend of his. 
I haven't spoken to him since 2010 when it came out that he was a scammer. Not even that I have refused to speak to him. He he hasn't called me because he knows that uh, the jig is up with him. Well, anyway, when it came out he was a scammer, not only did he stop calling me, but he stopped calling Stephanie. Figuring that Stephanie must have heard from me what he was. Well, of all things, out of the blue, in December, he called Stephanie and left her a message with his new phone number. Well, this was just after we had done our last radio show for the year. So I said to Stephanie, okay, well, hold on to the number. I don't want to call it yet. He didn't say to give the number to me, but she was willing to give me the number to call him on radio. So I said, okay, we'll do it on the next radio show. The reason we didn't do it on the next radio show, which was on January 8th, was that he had already disconnected it by then. But I thought it was interesting that after all this time, he called Stephanie and talked to her, and he was saying we got to get together for dinner, and he was very, very nice, and didn't mention a single thing about the scam. All he said was, uh, I got involved in some things that I shouldn't have, and I had to go away for a while. That was what he said. That was his entire explanation to her as to where he went. She didn't say that she knew about any of the scamming. She didn't say I knew about any of the scamming. She just kind of, you know, talked to him very briefly, and uh, was going to give me the phone number, but it was disconnected by the time... I was going to call it for radio, so I never got to call Peter Falcone. But maybe we'll get another number of his. He, he disconnects numbers very fast, because uh, he does that to avoid people that he's scammed. Final topic, Mt. Gox. Our, Bitcoin, our Bitcoin topic of the night. Now, I was foolishly basing my belief on Bitcoin value based upon Mt. Gox, because it's the biggest exchange. So, I'm thinking, okay... If Mt. Gox says Bitcoin's worth $920, it's worth $920. I knew there's other exchanges, but I thought they were the biggest one. That's the one you really pay attention to. And when I would look, I would see some other exchanges were a little bit lower than Mt. Gox, but not by a very large amount. Like maybe Mt. Gox would be 930 and another exchange would be 905. Lower, but in the same neighborhood. So I had been sitting here believing that Bitcoin was between 900 and 1,000 for quite some time. And then I got the rude awakening that that wasn't true. Uh, if you look at Bitstamp, for example, if you look at uh, a site called Bitcoinity.org, that's Bitcoinity.org, Bitcoinity.org, uh, you can look at all these different exchanges. Not all of them, but a number of them. So Bitstamp, for example, it's $805 at the moment. On BTCE, it is seven ninety nine, very close. On Bitfinex, it is eight oh two. On local bitcoins, uh, that one's much higher for whatever reason. Uh, but Mount Gox, nine twenty five. So 925 and most other places, including uh, Coin, uh, Coinbase, which is a big one for people trading in the U.S. these days. It's not listed on Bitcoinity, but that's... Uh, Coinbase is... It's always kind of around where Bitstamp is, from what I've noticed. So how come Mt. Gox is 920-something when the rest of them are around 800? Uh, it's been... Uh, theorize that the reason this is happening is because Mt. Gox is, is not very good with paying out. But uh, they've apparently had a real hard time paying out 
and haven't been responding to withdrawal requests and not responding to support requests. It's just been a disaster over there. And there's some suspicion that Mt. Gox is either broke or struggling or just can't keep up with the demand. Uh, I always thought that they were pretty big and solid, but uh, no. And if you went to their Twitter, it was really weird. Let me go there and see what it says right now. It was a really funny Twitter. Kind of funny and disturbing at the same time. Yeah, this is all they... This is the last thing up there. Uh, January 7th. We're almost uh, a month ago now. Just tweeting... If you go to twitter.com slash mtgox, Mount Gox, you'll see all the same tweet over and over and over and over again on January 7th to different people. At G. Molenkamp, dear valued customer, sorry for the delay in response. Due to the high volume of support requests we are currently experiencing, uh, uh, and then next person. So that's what they said there. Next person, uh, at LaunchBite. Dear valued customer, thank you for contacting us. If you have immediate questions, please visit blah, 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 blah. At another person, dear valued customer, thank you for contacting us. If you have immediate questions, please visit blah, 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 blah. Dear valued customer, thank you for contacting us. If you have immediate questions, please, <laughs> it's the same thing, over and over and over and over again. The only one that was different was the first one about, uh, sorry for the delay in response. So basically, they just auto-tweeted back to everybody the same message who tweeted to them, saying what the hell's going on. And that was the last thing they've said on their Twitter since January 7th. So, I think it's pretty bad over there. Whatever's going on with Mt. Gox, uh, I would definitely not use them. And uh, that's part of the reason it's trading so much higher over there. So, uh, definitely bad news over on Mt. Gox. And... Uh, if there is a big scandal to where bitcoins, uh, you know, to where Mt. Gox goes down and steals everyone's money, uh, I think it's going to really hurt Bitcoin values. And I think Bitcoin's going to, I wouldn't say it's going to crash, but I think there's going to be at least a mini crash from that if, if Mt. Gox falls apart. If Mt. Gox uh, goes down or admits they're broke. So I don't know what to say right now. Some people are saying maybe it's because they're getting DDoS attacks. Maybe it's because they just can't handle everything. Maybe it's because they're incompetent. I don't know. I know they made a lot of money on all these transactions. But I don't know. It's really strange. No Twitter action in the last four weeks. Super long delays on withdrawals. No responses to support requests. Very bad news with Mt. Gox. So... That is what is happening today in the world of gambling and poker. And uh, this is our first show in in, uh, three weeks. I have three more broken ribs than I had three weeks ago. And I hope this is the last unfortunate incident I have to go through for quite some time be a while till my ribs are better, but hopefully other than that I stay healthy and I keep coming out here week after week. Whoa, 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 Stop the music. Bad Guy 23, hello. What's up, brother? Well, um, so 
Are you in the middle of something, man? I no, mean, no. You don't have any internet roses. No, no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, sh- I'm shutting it down here. But I, I was playing the uh, All in the Family song, and I, I had to stop. Oh, were you really playing that right yeah. now? I, I turned it off so I didn't hear it. I, you were talking, and I called. Wait, what the fuck? I called the other number. You didn't see me calling? No, I, I called and actually said, bad guy, I'll... Uh, I know you said it the one time when I called this number, but the 775 number, do you get those calls or no? I, I hope I should have. I, I Bro, I called four times before, oh, way before that you oh, said that. Boy. I mean, I don't believe you were getting them. Cause yeah, I don't think weird. you would ignore it that many times. Weird. I mean, possibly I missed it somehow. Or maybe the number. No, I, I mean, I called four or five times even. I mean, there's no way to leave a message either. It's just you sound like you have broken ribs. You're like, this is P.O.P.A. I mean, that's all it said. It well, I can't even leave a message. I, I don't know Wait what to second. say. Stop the music. I we stopped. gotta talk about CLA, bro. Well, that's what I was gonna talk about. So, so. CLA or Claw, what do you want to say uh, about him? Uh, he turned out to be a scammer, and he scammed well, which, which I sniffed out way before everybody, but everybody thinks that, you know, I'm broke and okay. I'm fucking full oh. of shit. Okay, so th- i got to ask you this here, because this this is, yes, You ask me anything, brother. You can always ask okay, me anything. Yes, it is true that the only two people that you have been found to have scammed in our community are Peter Falcone and and Claw, right. who both ended up being big scammers themselves, and, and it Correct. came out right afterwards. However, at the time you scammed both of them, you did not come out and say, I scammed them because they're scammers. So the question is, no, did you just no, luck into on. scamming I'm, I'm scammers? A, okay, with the PNDC thing, you guys thought he was buying the fucking... Uh, remember the time he said he was in Costa Rica? That's when I called the radio show. After he had one, you guys had one of posters and everything. And I called in, and I said, this guy is not in Costa Rica. You guys were all laughing at me. I'm the scammer here. He, You know, he's putting everybody up in hotels and everything. That's a whole other story. The CLA guy, I 100%, 120% knew he was a scammer the second the game ended. Because here's why. Before this happened, I was not trying to scam this guy. I thought he was been around here for a while, which he has been. He, he, I, he made, like, something about the Hernandez thing. I remember I posted in that thread the one time and i know he's been around here a lot because of the fucking arizona cardinal logo he had so i was straight up betting this guy there was no scam but here's the thing i asked this guy to do an escrow which you guys don't know about which i can prove on emails and i think they're even in if you can look at the pms like the private messages not where you know where you get private messages to yourself so you can see that I did this. And then he made this big excuse about he's in Arizona and you can't send more than $500 from Arizona to Western Union. Which, right then and there, I thought something was fishy, but I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I wanted to bet 900 bucks with this guy at first. That's no lie, because he said he would do it. It's juice-free bet. I knew the Eagles were going to lose. But listen to me. I'm telling you this 100%. The minute the game was over, I knew the guy was a scammer. He wanted me to send him the money right then and there. And to some other fucking name and to some other fucking place. So I just let this play out then when everybody, because, you know, I, I, let the, I let the board play itself out. And you guys are all, dude, I knew the guy was a scammer, and I broke that before any Simp Dog or anybody made more bets with this guy. Okay, I said, okay. the guy's 100% a scammer. Okay, so, so you so, can go back to the thing and read it, bro. Okay, so, so you, I would like to see you post these things, but uh, I, I have to say here, they, so you're saying that you believed him to be a scammer uh, after the game was over it's after the bet was made because he wanted you to send the money I didn't know he was a scammer before that not at all all. I was not free rolling here at all I I believe this guy was legit so if I were the one I wouldn't have got paid 100% I did not know this beforehand the second the Eagle game ended versus Dallas 
I'm telling you, I knew a, or not or whatever the game was, man. I think it was Eagles Dallas, right? Is that no? That wasn't Eagles Dallas. It was Eagles versus. Uh, but you're saying you knew it because he uh, he wanted you to pay somebody yeah, he else. Instantly, yeah. Here's the thing: we had an agreement to pay on Tuesday since he couldn't do Western Union because he said he couldn't do 500. This is why I was telling you that I could prove this to you, and then but you never got back to me on the fucking PMs, man. And I was gonna still send this guy the money. I really was, but. I said, this guy's 100% scamming. Because then, he, I got this guy's phone number, by the way, if you guys want it. I don't know if oh, you've got I, it or I didn't not. Know that. He gave me a phone number. Wow. Do you have the phone number or no? No. Oh, well, I do. Hold on. Let me call my email. I have the phone number, though. I mean, I'll, I mean I the guy gave me a phone number. I thought that's what this fucker I'll, was. I'll, I'll try to call I, him I, now. I yes, don't care sir. if I wake him up. We will call him. Yeah, it's 1 a.m., but I'll call, call him. Okay, just give me one second here, brother. Got the guy's phone number. Um, I gotta go on here and get it. Yeah, you know I wasn't this, prepared uh, for this. I thought you guys already had it with no. fucking A. Brown on the fucking case. No, no, we got. Well, to, I got the guy's phone number. I got man. like an address or something, but and his name, but I didn't. Uh, his name's uh, uh, Christian Allred. Chris Aldred, yeah, yeah. That's his name. That's his name. Aldred, he he lives in Arizona, but he wanted me to send the money to California. Weird. I mean, and then the second the game was over, bro, and he was, remember, the game, he was in trouble the whole game. But the second the game, he's like, can we do this quicker? And if you've seen everything he typed to me, man, I, that's when I so knew So why didn't you come scammer. out and, when, when he was demanding you pay him, why, and you knew he was a scammer, why didn't you just come say, you know. And, and you, I did, bro. Go read the thread. I said it before any of these guys made any more bets with him. I said it. I mean, what are you talking about? Go to go okay, back I, to I the want, thread. I said this guy's a hundred percent a scammer. I'm telling you guys. I want to see that. I mean, go read it. I, I want to see. Where, I want to see when you first said he was a scammer. That'll be interesting. So, okay, what, what's the phone number here so we can call? Right, when you see when I say he's first a scammer, it's way before anybody makes any bets with him, Druff. I mean, the second bet, second round of bets, it's way before. Okay, I well, say he's a hundred percent. Okay, hold on, I gotta get into my fucking email here and find it now. I mean, okay. you know, I'm the gambler, brother. And I talked to Simp Dog, and and listen, I feel bad for Simp Dog in a way, and and I I want to pay this cat, man. But I was never trying to not pay this guy. I did make the bet, but the second the game was over, a hundred percent, I knew he was a scammer. And you can go read. It. I mean, you got you didn't. It's on your site, brother. Okay, let me find it here. I got this fucking cat's fucking email. Yeah, yeah, you should okay. get the email so we can call, and then we'll shut the show down here. I but. know. I mean, I should have had this fucking prepared, because now it's going to take me a fucking year and a half to fucking find this fucking thing. I got so many. I mean, I got fucking child support email on me telling me I'm late on the payment. I mean, it's a fucking horror. I, even, I don't even go into this email, man. I mean, actually, Simp Dog emailed me, too. I, I just seen that now. Unbelievable. Because I, I, I reached out to Simp Dog, man. It's no lie. We're gonna uh, get a, we're gonna get a, a third party's opinion on this. Uh, um, hey, uh, Benjamin, Benjamin, would you Benjamin, would you hold on, B- Benjamin? Do you think uh, Claw is a scammer? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he knows, man. That's my right hand man there, little Benny. So, so do you, oh, do you think goodness. do you think Bad Guy Twenty Three <laughs> scammed Claw first, or do you think do you think uh, Claw was just a scammer? Yeah. Yeah. So I who, mean, it could go both ways. <laughs> I mean, are you nuts? I was not trying to. Sca- okay, well, can you read your own? P- can you read the PM from from each person? Like no, no, I, no. I, I actually, I never the, erased anything, brother. There's only there's only one way. There's only one way I can. There's only one way I can read PMs, to be honest. And uh, I would have to go th- into the database 
And uh, well, there's two ways. I could change your password and force, but then you wouldn't be able to get in your own account. You're more than welcome to do it. No, no. I, or or I could go through the database to do it, which I don't do, by the way. I don't go into the database and look at people's pa- uh, PMs or whatever. It's uh, but anyway, just being honest, there there is a, a way technically to do it, but it's not easy. It, it's a pain in the ass to do. So uh, uh, I'm go- I'm I'm finding it, bro. Just give me a second here. I wasn't prepared for this. I thought you guys already had this guy's number. No, so, so I got a co- cocksucker's number, 100. percent I got his number. I even got a motherfucking address for this guy. He gave it to me. And it was, like I said, it was California. I mean, he's well, he doesn't live in California. He, li- he lives in Chandler, Arizona. I know that for sure. He does? Well, why do you want... He said he was going down there for, like, he was going to his... I even said about his cousin, dude. I was making that up, but I, I guess I was right on that. I mean, that. he probably was having you send it to... He wanted to send the to... money to fucking California. It's very possible he didn't want the money to be seen that he received it for whatever reason. Maybe he owes other people money, maybe he owes back taxes, whatever. So it is possible that he's having it. Back taxes? Well, who knows what it is. Something, 500 bucks? Something he doesn't want uh, collected from him in some way or seen that he received it, so he's having someone receive it for him. That's uh, um, uh, Now, I would like to know the phone number. That's probably a number he really answers. Yes, I'm giving you the phone number. Just you got to work with me here because I'm on my cell phone. So these motherfuckers only come up one at a time, and I got this one guy that owes me money still. And it's fuck. I mean, I got like fifty messages from this cocksucker. I'm on twenty three or three seventeen. It's coming up. Don't By worry. By the way, do you remember? Oh, I got his number, kid. Do you remember I, the I area code? Him, I pranked him too, and he didn't answer the phone. I tried to prank him. What, what is? Uh, what was the area code? Do you remember? I think it started with a four. I might was it was four four eight zero by any chance? I, I, it might be that, yeah. I, I know it started with a four. I know that for a fact. The first number started with a four. Okay, well, I, I'm gonna give you the whole number. Just listen. I, I don't want to make that air. Make Garrett talk. <laughs> Garrett, is he on here? Or no. No, he he vanished a while ago. Uh, I don't know why. So was he a good co-host tonight? He sounded pretty good when I was listening, yeah. man. Yeah, he did a good job. I told him, man, because he, he he reached out to me one time. I said, dude, they all hate you, man. That means you're popular, though, in a way, right? <laughs> I mean, he got like a thousand fucking. <laughs> Negative reps. I mean, come on, dude. The same fucking guy over and over again. We're going to get Chris Aldridge. So you never thought this guy was a scammer or what, man? I mean, can you find where I posted where he was a scammer way before Andy? I mean, I'll, have to, I'll have to look some other time. But let's let's get the phone number here. We're this is getting late. I, well, Jeff, I'm going as fast as I fucking can. I'm on I, fucking I just, cell I'm phone just saying, here, man. You know, it's, uh, gotta, we got to put Benjamin to bed here. It's midnight. I mean, come on, dude. Uh, I should have been way more prepared. For- oh, whoa, 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 shit. There was a Chris Alger where I just fucking passed it up. Hold on. Let me go back. Because it probably be all in the same fucking You're keeping the people thing. in suspense here. Here it is. I, I, hope he, I hope he answers the phone here. Uh, uh, I, listen, I got a fucking number, man. You think I'm fucking full of shit? Okay, let's... Uh, uh, I wouldn't tell you if I didn't have one. All right, Bro, so... you call me out, so I'll make you famous. That's me talking shit on him. Okay, so what's what's the phone number here? Hold on. Okay, I, I looked in this one, and it's not in this thread, oh, so you got to give me a couple more seconds. Just give me a couple more seconds. I got the number, dude. I'm not going to fucking fuck you. Dude, I got a phone number for this cat. Chris Aldrin payment. Chris Aldrin payment. It's got to be one I read, so let me try this one. Okay, I, I, I'm on him now, so it's got to be around here. Why are you napping it out? Okay, so that must be why I wasn't coming on the site, so it might be a little bit before this. Hold up. Keep going, keep going. Here here it is. I got oh, it. Well. No, it's a 602 number. Oh, that's, Ready? that's fine. That's, that's Arizona also. Let me, let me get it. Let me 602. Get it. Wait, hold on, hold on. Now, now I get, okay, here. 
Okay, the bad well, guy strikes back. Now everybody has it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they all have it. Fuck this fucking cocksucker. <laughs> and he wanted me to send it to Chris Alfred, Long Beach, California. And oh, he Long gave Beach, me that wow. number. If you need anything else, just text or call. That's in the L.A. area. That cocksucker ain't gonna answer, dude. I called no. this number before. No, I, I wanna hear what we Fucking get. Fucking faggot. <laughs> you have reached the voicemail <laughs> box of six, zero, two, eight, just... four, nine, 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 message, four, four. Now, you know what, here? I, I just hung up on it. I can't believe this. This guy, it, it, this guy that just keeps scamming here, I... It, for some reason, Skype charged me 2.3 cents a minute to make this call. Not your call, but like the, the call to him for whatever well, reason. Well, here's the Listen, he sends me this message that says, he says, I'm done hassling you. Just do the right thing and get it done in the morning. I don't care if it's half tomorrow and half Saturday. Just show me something. Chris Alfred, Long Beach, California. And then he gives me that number, 602-849-9944. If you need anything else, just text or call. Hope you enjoyed New Year's. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it, nigga. I enjoyed scamming your ass. Woo! No, I didn't try to scam this guy. But the second the game was over, I knew he was full of shit, Drop. I'm telling you this. Okay, well. But that's the number he gave me, so that's not a real number. Oh, yeah, either that or he doesn't answer it. But uh, anyway, uh, so so bad guy uh, skates away again here. But it's only two scams. What do you mean I skate away? Well, I always he... smell out the scammer for you. I, whatever uh, whatever way it happens. Hold on, wait a second here. Let me say something in my defense. For, I mean, I, obviously I'm all peeled up. Like, I mean, you let somebody say that about me. Can I say something in my defense? I've been on this radio show for how fucking long? Six years, seven years, eight years? I mean, I, at least six years. I have never fucking scammed any motherfucker on this fucking site, man, other than Peter D.C., who became a fucking scammer, and this fucking cocksucker, who I thought was legit. I honestly d did think the guy was legit. That's why I even made the bet with him. But the minute I asked you to escrow and you don't, that right there made me a little fishy about it. So then I said, can you give me your name and everything? That way I would have... But he wouldn't do any of that. But the minute the game was over... His fucking name, everything. The second the game was over, and can you send it quicker? And we had a we had a settle date on Tuesday. I mean, that's when I right then and there I said, this guy's full of fucking shit, dude. Well, okay. And then so... he wanted me to send to Long Beach, California. I mean, <laughs> what the fuck? You're supposed to be in Arizona. Yep. Well, I don't uh, know, man. I'll say this: uh, you you've got a good track record in the scamming scammers, and. Uh... I guess no, uh, that wasn't my intent here. I didn't know he was a scammer <laughs> beforehand. But the sec and I didn't know Peter DC. Peter DC told me he was going to set me up for a Garth Brooks concert and fly me out. I don't even <laughs> like fucking Garth Brooks, bro. <laughs> he made that same offer to me. I'm not even kidding you. That's what he told me. And then he's calling me on the phone saying, I like a guy like you because I'm like, rooting. it was a Bengals-Steelers Monday night game. I'll never forget it. He said, all Peter DC wanted me to do was make bets on his account so it didn't look like he was making all the bets because he was running all that credit up and they could see his IP addresses. I'm trying to tell you guys that no one listened to me when I when you guys thought he was buying a fucking uh, Costa Rican island. Okay, I mean, so you listen, gotta listen to me sometimes. Listen, okay, so next time you see a scammer here on this site, 
come to me directly and say, I think this person's no, no, scamming. No, 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 no. I, have... I got to bet with him first. Okay, well, you bet with him <laughs> first, and then you, can, then you can come to me and tell me, I think this guy's a scammer. Tell me as soon as you know, and then I'll take it seriously. Well, I know, I know. I, I was scamming him the whole time. That's what they're all saying, but it's not true. Okay. It's well, not okay, how about this? I'll make a deal. It's up to you guys. I'll send you 500 bucks. You give it to SimDog, or we make a $500 free roll. But if we make a $500 free roll, it's got to be invite only. Okay. For, for the real guys from the... I'm being serious. I'll okay, do well, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's have our $500 invite only free roll. I'm not kidding. If you okay, want to do that... Okay, so we're not that. paying SimDog back then? I, I don't know. You, you can decide what you want to do with the money. No, it's no, 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 no. It's your call. I mean, I'd like to see Sim Dog. I'd like to see him paid back. But money, I'm dead serious. No, I'd like to see him paid back. But look, if it's uh, you want to do a five hundred dollars free roll for invite only, you can do that too. Uh, anyway, yeah. let, let's discuss this later. The show is is over here, as you can hear by the music. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week on Tuesday, uh, back at the regular time of seven o'clock, from a different secret location than I am today, and uh, we will continue doing what we do on this show talking about hey what's that you word we say at the end oh we're not quite at the end we got 20 seconds left so i know but what's the word it's, it's shalom it. that's a jew word all right okay I so it was salad well you're already at 21 seconds left and uh thank you everybody for listening we had a still over a four-hour show here today and uh we will be doing it again next week thank you to all who donated to the show especially hockey guy whose instructions i did not follow good night and Saloon, niggas!